25 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. And while the world seems to be focused on Cleveland, Ohio, we are focused on the state of Israel. Very appropriate for us here at JM in the AM. Uh, we are live today. A lot of our programming this week, as you know, is pre-recorded and then airing uh, the next morning because of timing and schedules here in Israel. But today we are live from the office of Rigavim. Rigavim is an amazing organization. Yesterday uh, we met some Jewish heroes who are uh, brand new Olim and Jewish heroes who have been facilitating Aliyah for North American Olim and potential Olim for many years. Today we get to meet some other people who are involved in heroic activities here in the land of Israel. Rigavim officially ensures responsible legal accountable and environmentally environmentally friendly use of Israel's national lands and the return of the rule of law to all areas and aspects of the land and its preservation. In order to meet that goal, it takes quite an effort. We're going to meet some of the people here today in the Rigavim office in Shar Bin Yamin who are involved in these efforts on a regular basis, some of them on a daily basis, and some of whom have dedicated their life's pursuit and as much spare time as possible to achieving this goal. We're just northeast of Yerushalayim in the Binyamin region in the southern part of the Shomron. And it's a beautiful day here in Israel. And we are set to uh, speak to our friends from Rigavim coming up between now and 9 a.m. Our thanks to uh, everybody who made yesterday such a special day with Nefesh B'Nefesh. Uh, we did some things yesterday that we had never done before. We aired a broadcast that was partly done from the actual aircraft on the plane as we were flying from Kennedy Airport to Tel Aviv. Uh, we had guests on the air yesterday, which were uh, highlighted in Tel Aviv in that segment by Brand New Olim, by Natan Sharansky, and uh, highlighted as well by the mother of Rabbi Yoshua Fass, who is, um, <laughs> you can imagine, quite proud to be the mother of a Jewish hero, as I always call him. Uh, more coming up here at JM in the AM. Josh Haston is the international director for Regavim. He'll join us coming up. We'll do some music for everybody and start getting into the show. We have a great staff here with us in our JM in the AM headquarters in the Regavim office for this uh, Wednesday afternoon as you listen on a Wednesday morning back in the USA and around the world on a Wednesday. And if you want to comment on anything going on in this show, you could utilize the NSN app. The NSN app gives you the opportunity to comment on anything that's going on as we broadcast. So install the app on your iPhone or Android and make sure to, um, uh, to comment. And in addition to that, if you go to NahumSiegel.com, you will be able to see, and you will see right now, uh, me and our guests and our wonderful staff broadcasting from the Rigavim office in Israel. Go to NahumSiegel.com right now. The home page will feature and does feature the video, the actual video feed of our broadcast for today from Rigavim. So we're all set. Uh, get ready to uh, enjoy some wonderful conversation about Israel and a great uh, edition of JM in the AM. And uh, we'll introduce some of our guests to you coming up, of course, a little later on and discuss the incredible holy work they are doing here in Israel. Keep it at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. And around the world on the web at jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. Ah. 
I'm just a stone from your home. I'm Jerusalem stone. And I've waited all this time for you in this land of mine. And I've waited through the ugliness and grime for you in this land of mine. J.M. in the A.M., Jerusalem Stone from 8th Day here on a Wednesday morning broadcast. We are going to be uh, speaking with our friends here at Rigavim. I'm looking at a map, uh, a map that describes areas of illegal construction that are funded by the EU. You heard correctly, the European Union. And this is something that we're not that familiar with on the other side of the world, where the uh, EU, the European Union, financially aids and finances 
what is considered to be illegal building here in Israel. It's one of the things that Rikavim concentrates on and deals with uh, in legal manners. And uh, we're going to be speaking about that and much, much more coming up here at JM in the AM. It's a Wednesday, and we are in the midst of this amazing journey to Israel. A reminder that tomorrow we are at the uh, at the um, campus in Beit Meir, where the uh, NCSY Kolel is having their annual uh, summer session. And then on Thursday, we're going to be, and then Thursday night, and then for the broadcast Friday morning at Yom NCSY, which brings together all of the NCSY summer programs in one collective location for a big celebration. That'll be Thursday night. You'll hear it Friday morning right here at JM in the AM. Uh, Rigavim provides an amazing service for the future of the Jewish people. I should say the present and the future of the Jewish people. Josh Hastings, its international director, and we will speak with him and other guests coming up here at JM in the AM. They were founded back in 2006 as a direct result of a uh, court case uh, that was uh, happening in this region, and uh, we're going to be um, uh, discussing that and uh, the last 10 years of their activities here this morning at JM and the AM. I want to acknowledge our friends at Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Yerushalayim, where we were earlier today, for another unbelievable tour of their facility as they continue to build and grow. Uh, the pictures from the visit uh, to Shari Tzedek, which uh, included a a really close look at some of the um, sections of their children's hospital will be up later in the uh, Nahum Siegel Network section of Facebook on the Facebook update page. And um, a big thank you to Audrey Gross. Audrey Gross, again, is responsible for a wonderful tour and some great hospitality at Shari Tzedek. Uh, those of you out there who are really um, inclined to see how a medical center operates in Israel, especially one that's relied upon so heavily when it comes to uh, difficult situations, let's put it that way, in the uh, Holy Land. You have an opportunity to do so uh, when you get to Israel. Just to arrange that with the Shari Tzedek Public Relations Department. Uh, also, you have an opportunity to comment on our app. Uh, the NSN app is up and running, which means that um, if you have something to say about the program we're doing right now or anything you'd like us to know about, you can go to the NSN app for iPhone or Android and actually comment on the app, on the home screen of the app, and um, and we'll see exactly what you have to say, whether it's a, a question or a comment, whatever it might be. Uh, we'll see that in front of us. And don't forget, you can watch everything going on right now at the Rigavim headquarters in the uh, Binyamin region of Israel by going to NahumSiegel.com. On the uh, homepage right now, you'll see the video of our broadcast. When our guests come and sit in our makeshift studio, you'll be able to see those interviews live and uh, as they're happening here at JM in the AM. So keep that in mind as well. More coming up. We have a wonderful staff. We'll tell you about them and uh, plenty more happening on a Wednesday as we broadcast from Israel during this unique visit to the Holy Land. You're listening to JM in the AM. Shall you 
کوشانیم کن مایی یا کوشان نباد
J.M. in the A.M. That's Baruch Levine. Miriam L. Wallach and I sitting here speaking to our unbelievable friend Judy Grossman about so many things happening here in Israel. Why is she always in the know? Why does she always know everything that's happening in this country? I'd like to know. Good morning. Good morning to yeah. you. It is amazing. Um, and she was the first person, if I'm not mistaken, to alert us to the work of Rigavim. She was our shatchan, so to speak. That's for sure. And we are here today because of her. And uh, anybody in this audience of any length of time, uh, certainly the name Judy Grossman means a great deal. We're talking about the uh, the present of the state of Israel and the future of the state of Israel and with all the, a lot of crazy things going on, I guess, like in any country. She knows everything. And she knows everything. But nonetheless, the future looks bright, thank God. And there are some wonderful things happening here, including uh, what's happening at Brigavim, which we're going to be speaking about all through our JMM broadcast. So is this a little different than being on the plane in a makeshift studio on an aircraft? You know, I knew that we were missing the hum of something. <laughs> I guess yeah. it's the engines. Oh, well. There were no screaming babies in our section of the plane. Correct. There were... There was all that hawk that we were talking about. Right. There oh, were the, just like now. A lot, of, people, a lot right. of interesting talk going on. Right, <laughs> except I am part of this one. I didn't want to, on the plane, we were like, what's going on over there? Right, we just assumed there was a lot of networking. Well, you know how it is there. Yeah, you called it networking. You called it hawk. I called it hawk. Um, but Judy is in the know about absolutely everything. Yeah, get her on a flight for 10 hours and you'll you'll see. Without mics. Exactly. Well, without mics. And you'll see what you can learn. Judy, we were just speaking about you and all the amazing like things. Like you weren't here, but now you're here. All the amazing here. things you know about what's <laughs> happening here in the land of Israel. Yes. Uh, we have a lot of people to thank. Uh, we have a great staff here. Our chief engineer, ZK, is behind the uh, board and behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Thank you, ZK. ZK, whose birthday was yesterday. Yes, I know, but that birthday celebration has already come to we an end. We only hold one day. Jamie Turkel is here handling our social media. Elon Katz is here handling our operations. I want to thank uh, Yoni Pollock and uh, Avrami. Somebody wake Yoni. Avrami, Avrami Finkelstein, who is uh, back in the United States working hard, and we appreciate that. I want to thank Mayor Kruder, who sent us off to Israel by being at Kennedy Airport and taking some interesting photos of the uh, proceedings there, and we left in Nefesh Benefesh. I want to thank our friends at Travel Cell, who are keeping us connected to friends and family back home with the... Um, and with all our listeners, with the uh, different pieces of equipment they've uh, handed over to us for this week, that's TravelCell.com and 718-382-6500. A big thank you to the Inbal Hotel, again serving as our headquarters in Jerusalem. Thank you to the Inbal, and a thank you to our friends at Traveler's Choice, who again were so instrumental in so many of the travel arrangements that were made, aside from the Nefesh Benefesh flight. And uh, today, Wednesday, they're going to be featured in our Wednesday afternoon music mix, which happens every Wednesday, ironically enough, and ZK on just stream. Yeah. Sorry, ZK just wanted to remind all our listeners, and in this case, our viewers, that the video is up. Yeah. You can see, okay, do you want to, no, no. you don't want to put your mic up. He claims that all the cruder photos that were taken are available on the website. If you play yesterday's show, as the show plays, you will see a slideshow of his Photographs. Does so the it, only way, sense? right? Does this make sense? This was a little complicated. Yes, okay. Uh, in addition to that, if you go to NahumSiegel.com right now, uh, you'll see that the uh, video is um, uh, both of JM and the AM's uh, logos and the Rigavim logo. Uh, they have a website, Rigavim.org. You can visit there and see what we uh, see some of the topics that we'll be discussing today. And um, you can go right now to NahumSiegel.com and check out that video live between now and 9 a.m. In addition. We have an amazing NSN app, which gives you the opportunity to comment on anything that's happening here uh, during our broadcast. 
Okay, so we covered a lot of uh, very uh, important uh, pieces of information here. And everyone should utilize whatever method they can to tune in over the next two and a half hours so that you can learn more about Rigavim and uh, all the activities that they've embarked on over all these years. Uh, they continue to ensure responsible, legal, accountable, and environmentally friendly use of Israel's national lands and the return of the rule of law to all areas and aspects of the land and its preservation. Might sound like a modest goal, might sound like a very lofty goal. Uh, either way, it's uh, an important goal, and we'll find out why throughout this program here at JM&A. I yeah. have a feeling that despite Rigavim's youth, I mean, it's, it was established just 10 years ago. Correct. Out of this court case. I think that despite its youth, not only is it going to flourish out of necessity in this state um, over the next number of years, but people will be able to turn back to this program and say, that's where I heard about Rigavim. That's oh, where sure. I first heard about the organization. We want everyone around the world to know about it. And Oh, by the way, do you know what Regev means? I discovered this this morning. I was hoping it meant roots. No. Regev means a small piece of land. Okay, then the logo, I can't... Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I was working off the logo. <laughs> I was like, go. all right, new word for this trip. I, I guess yeah. roots would be Shoresh or Shoreshim, right? right? So Regavim means a small piece. I found two references. That was very smarty pants of you. To say the least. Yeah. I, I found two references. In one reference, it says a Regev is a small piece of land. In another reference, it says Regavim are patches of soil. So which is it? Is it a small piece of land, or is it a patch, a collective big patch of soil? I don't know. I'm still annoyed that it's not roots. <laughs> um, <laughs> what does that note say? Nothing. It's about me. Oh, there you go. You. <laughs> so Rigavim's, um, uh, the name makes sense, obviously, and uh, it, its cause makes a tremendous amount of sense. I, I mentioned earlier, and I just have to say it again, and this is only one aspect of what they do, and obviously we'll, we'll spend plenty of time this morning talking about their different activities. But it, one of the things that uh, we were made aware of is the illegal construction that's happening here in Israel, funded by the European Union. Right. Literally funded by the European Union. If there is one thing to take out of this show, and I know that there are going to be you know, 10, 15 topics that we're going to discuss and different angles that we're going to be approaching today. But if there's one thing I would love for every listener to take away from this show, it is that very point. That there are countries, that there's a continent, an, an influential continent, filled with people and governments that literally are spending their time, their resources, their energy on construction in, in what is Israel. And it, it, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that that's happening. Conceptually, it's not something you even understand. They're not private businesses. Right. It's not like there's a, you know, a group of Chinese who are building a skyscraper right. in Manhattan. It's government-sponsored. It's government-sponsored. Right. That's what's so unbelievable. I don't know how a government buys land in another country and... Proceeds the way they're proceeding, but I guess we're going to. That's part of what uh, right, we're going to right. discuss. Right, and, and buy may be the wrong word right. because oh, they because just we've seen claim. we've seen right, correct, very good. In fact, we've seen other countries come into the United States, or I should say, representatives of other countries saying governments. I don't know. Is it colonialism? Well, I don't know if it would be proper to say governments. That's something we'd have to analyze or find out about. But but there are people from foreign countries who do have. Tremendous business interests and real estate right. interests in the United States. Okay, that we know. But here I think the claim is that it's not that people are coming in and buying or buying legally. They are either not buying and using people to settle the land, so to speak, in, a, in an indirect or direct manner. Uh, but in addition to that, they are, if they are buying, it's, it's purchasing it illegally. Right. Well, we're going to find out. Right. We're going to find out more. We're going to find out more. 
Calm down, Judy. This is our introductory Judy remark. Judy didn't want to go this on the is, air. This is the segment of the show where Miriam and I conjecture about what on earth we're doing here, and right. then we get into and the And then details. for the next couple hours, Trust me. we're going to learn a tremendous amount. We certainly will. That's right. guaranteed. All right. So that's the uh, that's uh, we've laid the groundwork, so to speak. Excuse the pun for uh, the activity oh, for the activities of Rigavin. And we will have more on it, obviously, as we continue throughout the morning. We should get pictures of those maps up on our website. I well, think. I would love this map in, in large form. Or if you could just go out now to Kinko's and uh, quickly... Right. <laughs> or if there's any way to take this map and, uh, and I don't know, tweet it out, Facebook That's it That's my out. point. I yeah. think we're going to give it to Jamie, and she's at least going to... If there's a way to, to do that, we've got to do that because... We need a reference. Because, again... Right, there, exactly. And... And we're going to get it to Avrami so he can load it in the back end. Because, there's so, again, there's so much to talk about this morning. I don't want everything to you know, get lost in one big collection. I'd like at least a point or two to really hit home for all the listeners so they can understand what's happening here and understand the importance of the work that's being done here. And also when we are able to splice up all the different interviews, that those in connection to the map, I, I imagine there's going to be a tremendous amount of, um, of sharing yeah. of this piece. Are we coming out really badly against the EU? Is that a problem for you? I don't know. Okay. I didn't get that memo. We painted them as the enemy already this morning. I didn't use that word. I know, but it seems that way. That's a five-letter word. Well, we'll go ahead and continue on this mission and see what happens. Okay. Regavim.org is the website. Regavim.org, R-E-G-A-V-I-M.org. More coming up. Thanks for listening to JM in the AM.
in the AM. It's a uh, Wednesday. We're in Israel during this amazing week in the Holy Land, and we thank everybody out there for tuning in and being part of this great radio broadcast. Remind you, you can watch all the proceedings here, and you should watch now, because in addition to our uh, uh, initial guest, Josh Haston, who's going to join us in a moment, uh, sitting with us is one of the founders of Rigavim, who I just told, uh, I just said to him, it's a, an honor to meet a Jewish hero, and we'll explain his role in a moment. And uh, so it's a good, op- good opportunity to tune in via video. Uh, go to NachumSiegel.com website on the homepage. You'll see exactly what's happening now through our video feed. Also, the NSN app is up and running, as you would suspect. You have an opportunity to um, comment on anything going on during this show by going to the NSN app, putting your comment in, which is easy to do on the home screen. We see that during the program, and you get an opportunity to uh, have your voice heard. In addition to that, of course, NachumSiegel Network Facebook update page has pictures of what's going on this week including our visit to Rigavim headquarters this morning here at JM in the AM. So you can check that out on Facebook. Again, it's Nachum Siegel Network. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org, and, of course, on the NSN app. We mentioned that Rigavim was founded in 2006, the efforts of uh, Yehuda Eliyahu and Bitzal Smotrich as a response to a Supreme Court case versus the illegal outpost of Harasha in the Shomron. And um, Yehuda Eliyahu is sitting with us. He's only a Hebrew speaker, so <laughs> we're limited in our ability to converse. But if you're watching the video, you see him sitting with us 
and taking part in this conversation uh, as an observer. Josh Haston is the International Director for Regavim. It's a position he's held for a little while, and uh, we get an opportunity to check in with him and find out the latest of their activities. Josh, welcome back to JM in the AM. True pleasure. It's great to have you here at Regavim. Glad you're here in Israel. I appreciate that, and it's great to speak to you. You've been a guest of ours before. You've been involved in many great organizations, a lot of fantastic efforts here in the state of Israel. Uh, you've even had uh, episodes that you've been involved with that have gotten international attention and have really put the spotlight on some of the absurdities that, ha- that unfortunately sometimes occur here in Israel, and you know what I mean. Uh, today we get to discuss uh, something that's uh, important, vital, certainly uh, something that's critical for the present and the future of Israel, and in some ways we'll meet up with some of the absurd things happening in this country as well through that. Uh, tell me about, uh, how would you explain to the novice who's not familiar with Rigavim's activities, what Rigavim is all about? It's really all about what you said in the mission statement from the organization. It's about safeguarding state lands. I mean, we're here to protect the physical land uh, in Israel, whether it's the north, whether it's the south, whether it's Judea and Samaria. Regavim has a presence throughout the country, and we want to make sure that people are abiding by the law. This is a democratic country, the only one here in the Middle East, regardless of what you hear about Turkey. You know, you can question that democracy, but we're the only democracy in the Middle East, and there are laws. You can't just go out and build wherever you want to build. You have to follow the the rules. And unfortunately, time after time, what we're seeing in Regavim, and I've only been here a short time, but we're seeing illegal building being carried out by various uh, bodies, whether you're talking about the Bedouin in the Negev, or whether you're talking about Arabs in the north, or in Judea and Samaria, as you mentioned earlier, funded by foreign entities, such as the European Union. That's probably the top funder, and they're carrying out illegal activity on the land here on the, in, in the state of Israel, which is completely illegal. It's against international law. It's against, obviously, our, our laws for an entity to come in and do that and, and pretend as if this is their right. sovereign uh, uh, land here, which it, it is not. So Regavim is a watchdog organization. More than that, in addition to uh, making sure that people aren't building illegally, when they do build illegally, Regavim reports that building to the authorities. And if the authorities don't take action, Regavim takes that next step and files lawsuits against those entities, whether they're the European Union, which a lawsuit was filed against them, or others who think that they can just come in and build illegally in the land of Israel. Now, in your capacity, I would say you're dealing with two distinct groups who must be educated on these issues. The first is the press. And I would assume, especially with your experience in the press, I would assume that most of the worldwide press are not that interested in what Regavim is all about. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. I mean, the worldwide press and others, if you're talking about uh, the United Nations and other institutions, they come in and they paint the picture of the big bad Israel who is uh, going up against uh, uh, the, the tiny puny Bedouin in the Negev and why can't Israel just give these people what they want and we're entrenching upon their human rights. Uh, the European Union, of course, does the same thing. And, but those aren't the facts. And the media portrays it, again, as a battle of David and Goliath, where Israel is the Goliath. But if you take a step uh, a little bit closer and you actually see the work that Regavim is doing in the field and get a, a, a tour uh, of the situation in the Negev, of Judea and Samaria, up near 
uh, Carmiel in the north and understand, you'll be able to see the reality. And the reality is you have so many violations in terms of building illegally or setting up gas stations without the proper permits or creating environmental hazards throughout the country. All that is being uh, is not being reported in the mainstream media, and that's why Regavim has to be there. To those who think that this is only a problem in Judea and Samaria, they have to realize, as you just mentioned, Carmiel, they have to realize that this is happening all over Israel. All over the country. I mean, the Negev, if you go down and stand on, there's a certain hill we take visitors to. You get a, a wide view, a panoramic view of the northern Negev, just a little bit north of Beersheba. You will see all the illegal build, uh, building squat, uh, squatting taking place by the, the Bedouin down in the Negev. And there are solutions out there. It's important to remember, Israel is not leaving these people hanging. Mm-hmm. The government has put together proposals. There are proposals on the table. There are recognized Bedouin villages. But for many reasons, uh, the Bedouin down there choose not to not to take advantage of the situation, not to put their houses on the grid. Why, if I can squat and nobody's going to do anything, why would I pay for water? Why would I pay for electricity? You have tribal warfare going on down there where one clan who's living, let's say, in a legal town decides they're not going to let members of another tribe uh, dwell in their town. So you have a city, let's say, of 30,000 or designed for 30,000 people, but you have 12,000 people there. And this tribe says, we are not going to let anyone else into this village. And then that tribe goes out goes out and starts uh, squatting illegally on land. So there are solutions out there. We're trying to find solutions. This isn't an anti-government organization. We're trying to work with the government and uh, institute those solutions for the people in, in the Negev and, and also in Judea and Samaria and in the north. Does the government know it's not an anti-government institution? Do they get the... the yeah. They, they I, are I, not paranoid in that way when they see Rigavim showing up. They're not thinking, uh-oh, here comes people who are against us. No, I, I don't believe that they're par- paranoid in any way. I'm sure you have certain members of Knesset who are not fans of the organization, right. not fans of Regavim, but we do have a presence in, in the Knesset. And, uh, and, and I think that deep down, even those who won't openly admit for political reasons that they're supporters of Regavim, they know the organization is doing perhaps what they should be doing right. themselves, monitoring the situation throughout the country, the, the illegal se- building. The second group of people, in addition to the media, that uh, I would guess you're most interested in reaching are, are, are the people who, who want to support this cause. I mean, there are, and not just our listeners, but people around the world who are uh, focused on doing their part to help build the land of Israel. Now, this may not seem like a direct you know, activity that helps build the land of Israel, but you know from your experience that's exactly what it is. No, absolutely. I mean, you have different wars going on here, whether it's the war of tanks, whether it's the war of words, Hasbara, if you want to call it that. I like calling it public diplomacy. But here you have a war over physical land. And those people who want to get involved in actually fighting for, as you mentioned before, Regavim means clumps of land. Right. If you want to get involved in fighting and, and salvaging those clumps of land, and you add a clump after another clump after another one, you're talking about about thousands of, of kilometers or miles in the U.S. of land which are being uh, fought over. And that's what Regavim is doing. They are waging that battle against those uh, in the European Union, in the Palestinian Authority, and other entities who are trying to take away. They're trying to take away the land of Israel from the Jewish people by building illegally. Uh, you mentioned Judea and Samaria. From here, where we are, we're very close to, I mean, within five, ten minutes from where we're sitting here in Shara Yamin, we could be out into the field seeing European Union buildings, and I mentioned before to Miriam, you're talking about in the year 2012 alone, 
100 million euro invested in illegally seizing. This is against the Oslo Accords, whether you're pro or against <laughs> the Oslo Accords. They are violating Oslo. They are violating uh, Israeli law and putting these structures. If you can take a tour, they're just popping up all over the landscape. When, when the Jews go home, uh, those who observe uh, the, the, the building go home for Shabbat, that's when they bring out the bulldozers into the fields, mm. and that's when they're doing their activity. When nobody's looking, you come back on a Sunday, and the European Union has planted another similar gray structure. They all look the same with the European Union flag on them. They're making, no, they're not hiding anything. They are out there uh, taking credit for this illegal building, c- saying it's for humanitarian reasons, but we know this is a land seizure. From here to the Dead Sea, they're trying to take what is known as Area C, which is under Israeli administrative and military control. They're trying to seize that land from here to the Dead Sea can trade, uh, and actually create a de facto Palestinian state illegally. Forget about negotiations. They don't want any of those, whether you're for negotiations or against. That's not the point. They're trying to create facts on the ground from here to the Dead Sea, a contiguous area from the north, from Ramallah down to Beit from this area where we are, the western uh, north north of Jerusalem, down to the Dead Sea to create a contiguous Palestinian state without even sitting at the table. That's their goal. Josh Haston, International Director for Rigavim. One of the things that uh, was so alarming to me and uh, to those of us who were discussing this before the show was this whole EU development, or at least for us it's a development, uh, because we have heard, and many people, even in the U.S., have heard about EU participation and their backing and how politically... They like seeing things go in this direction, the one you're describing, not, not the one that your organization is favoring. And so, you know, but, so we thought it was limited. But when we see the amount of activity and the Rigavim map and how filled it is with, uh, with EU property or EU-sponsored property at this point, it's really gotten completely out of hand. It's a violation of Israeli sovereignty. And in the next time you play a song on the show... Literally, we have between the time the show, the, the song starts and finishes, I could take you out into the field in my car, drive three minutes out, and you could see those facts on the ground which they are creating illegally. Um, it's that simple. It's, it's everywhere. It's growing. And that is why Regavim is active. If you meet our guys out in the field, you know, the office today is pretty empty, if you've noticed. Why? Because the guys are out in the field <laughs> monitoring the situation on the ground, evaluating it, taking the pictures. We have... Uh, you know, drones and other types of technology to actually see what's going on, get aerial footage, aerial shots. And, and you could see it firsthand for yourself. And they are not, we were talking about with Judy Grossman before, we were, they are not hiding about it. They're not bashful about it. They put proudly a flag on it and bring in heavy equipment to try to create these facts on the ground. That's why Regavim is here. Regavim has to be that watchdog um, in order to combat the illegal building wherever it takes place throughout the country. Uh, Yehud Eliyahu is sitting next to you, and uh, he's a Hebrew speaker, so it's a, a challenge for us to speak to him directly. He's one of the founders. I'm sure you've had a chance to speak with him in Hebrew. Uh, could you tell us something about the founding of the organization that we'd find interesting from 10 years ago? Well, I, I would just say that you know, if you take a look at Yehud Eliyahu who's sitting here, in addition to Batal Smotrich, he now moved on to, to the Knesset, and hopefully he'll be a guest on the show Meaning a little bit Batalo. later today. Batalo, right. that is. And, um, and, and you can just see that the, the, the influence, you know, people can't just get up one day and join the Knesset. I mean, you have to <laughs> prove in yourself, uh, at least, you know, in most of the cases, unless there's a rare exception. But, but, but just to give you a, an idea of how vital the organization is, the influence the organization has had, you have one of the two heads serving as a member of Knesset. Yehuda is not a man of many words, as you see, for him, from 
from him being here today. But it could, I bet you it could have been either one of them. I haven't had this conversation with him. Who got to decide? I'll run for Knesset. You run the organization. I don't know. I, I don't know that much yet uh, in terms of the, the personal history and, and how that all went down. But I'm, I'm sure it could have been Yehuda, not to take away from Batala, but right. I'm saying the influence that the organization and its leaders had on, on policy and on changing those, those illegal facts on the ground has been tremendous. It's only been 10 years, as you mentioned, and right. hopefully it'll be many, many more years. Unfortunately, that's the case because, as, you, as we said, the European Union and others continue this illegal activity to harm the state of Israel. This is not a humanitarian disaster uh, in any, by any stretch of the imagine, imagination. They're trying to harm the state of Israel and seize land. We're here to prevent that. All right, Josh Haston, and he's invited, obviously, to uh, join us at any point during this program. He is International Director for Rigavim. We should mention... Uh, that those who want to support or get more information, the website's a good resource for both, I assume, right? People can yes. donate and can... Absolutely. Uh, Rigavim.org. Right, Rigavim.org, and get more information that way. And you do, I assume, plan on traveling to the United States at some point, right, to meet with people and to just conduct some type of uh, informational session so that people can find out more about the organization? Absolutely. I don't have tickets yet, but right. <laughs> uh, one of these days I will uh, probably here in the near future, I, I will be traveling and... Uh, trying to get people uh, on board with the mission and educating them about these uh, these realities that we understand here on the ground. Right, and uh, you're, you, you and uh, and we together are learning just how important it is for the future of Israel to include people from outside of Israel. We want partners. Right. We want partners on this mission. It's the only way it's going to happen. All right, more coming up. Thank you, Josh. We'll speak later on. Uh, he is the international director for Regavim. Josh Haston has been involved in amazing activities on behalf of Israel for many, many years. Now with the Rigavim, you can go to the website at rigavim.org for information. More guests coming up and more of a focus on what this organization does here in the state of Israel if you keep it here at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. That is music from Yehuda. We are at the Rigavim headquarters in uh, Shar Binyamin, Israel, in the uh, southern area of the Shomron. And we are speaking about an organization uh, that is becoming more and more well-known, and that is Rigavim. Go to rigavim.org for information, rigavim.org, R-E-G-A-V-I-M. Sarah Haetzni Cohen is director of Israel Shali, a Moskowitz Prize recipient, and is with us live via telephone here on a Wednesday morning broadcast. Uh, Sarah, welcome to JM in the AM. Hi, hello, how are you? A pleasure to speak to you. Could you explain to our audience what is Israel Shali? Yes, Israel Shali, if you translate it, is My Israel. And My Israel is the largest national Zionist movement in Israel operating um, both in the field and online. And our goal is to reinforce uh, the Zionist values in Israel and around the world. Um, we promote pro-Israel actions uh, online, mainly online, um, regarding Hasbara, but not only Hasbara, because Hasbara is to explain yourself, and we don't want to explain ourselves because we don't think we did something wrong. Uh, so we're fighting BDS, we're fighting the delegitimation uh, uh, movement around the world, and also the um, the global media that is not really fair and uh, in the very um, how do you say it? good with Israel. Right. Um, yeah, so very this fair. is yeah. mainly what we do. We have 100,050 um, likes on Facebook. We have a Twitter account and we have a very large mailing list of mainly Israelis that want to be active but they can't, they don't have the time to go and demonstrate outside so they do it through the internet. How are we doing in the fight against BDS? How do we know if we are winning the battle against BDS? Well, it, it's a long fight. Uh, it's a long fight. It's not something you, you win, you know, you win one little fight hour after uh, another. And you do it by giving a fight to the BDS mix. I mean, you, the, the, the Israel public was not aware of the, uh, most of the Israeli public was not aware of the BDS movement up until the last year, um, plus minutes. And what we're doing is we're telling the Israeli public, listen, nobody will do the hard work for you um, if you won't do it for yourself. I mean, if you want to, if you want to save your house, if you want to save your home, uh, and avoid the, the um, uh, boycotts and everything and sanctions. So you need to fight for your own uh, good. You can do it from here. You can do it from your sofa. You can do it from your uh, from your uh, workplace, from right. everywhere, because we're giving you the tool how to do it. I never, I never really thought of that. That we, we in the United States are much more familiar with BDS than Israelis are. It's, it's, it's an obvious right. point, but what I never really thought of, frankly. Right. Listen, I used to work with the Americans and with South Africans and Australians and South Americans, and with different uh, Jewish communities around the world. And Israelis usually think that BDS is not their fight. I mean, they're saying, okay, so Hillel will will fight for it, for it, and. Um, 
you know, it's not our problem because it's, it's, we can't see it, we can't feel it. Um, it's not harming us uh, physically. But what we need, what we explain to the Israelis is that it harms them very, very much, not only economically, hardly economically, but uh, on people's minds. Yeah. And they need to fight for Israel. Nobody will do it for, for them. Sarah so Hatsny uh, yeah. Cohen is with us, director of Israel Shalit Moskowitz Prize recipient. Just moving on for a moment to the, to the media in general, uh, not just the BDS movement. Uh, is, is there a way to evaluate the general feeling in the international media about Israel? Is there a way to know if we're winning that battle at all or if it's just one continuous battle with plenty of enemies in the media constantly uh, coming up in different locations? We're not winning this fight because we're not fighting. Uh, if we will fight and if we will recruit all the Israeli public and the Jewish communities around the world to fight the bias of the global media after terror attacks or, I don't know, in, in regards of Jerusalem or everything, so, so we can win. But we are not fighting. And what we started to do in the last uh, intifada, or you name it, uh, right. terror attacks, Right. Um, we are asking for our members to email um, editors and uh, different uh, people, or, you know, in the media industry, um, fighting for the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, CNN doesn't want to call the murder a murder. Uh, or a terror attack, or they're trying to be, you know, more pro-Palestinian than pro-Israeli. So we need to show them that, uh, well, this is not fair, and it's not a fair fight. It's, it's not how you do media. It's not how you do uh, communication, and uh, we're not going to be silent. Tell me about uh, Rigavim, why this is such an important organization when it comes to the present and the future of the State of Israel. Rekovim is doing a very unique work that uh, nobody is doing it in the uh, spectrum of uh, national organization. Um, what they're doing is they're not sitting behind the computer, but they're going out and they're following um, all the uh, anti-Israel activity in, in Judea and Samaria, in the Galilee, in the Negev, all around Israel, and they give us the picture, the picture what what's happening uh, in in the mountains, you know, in the desert, not in the virtual world. Right. And what it, it's a very important work. Um, they're doing all the research. They have numbers. They have statistics. They have everything. And what we can do with this information and this uh, picture they give us. Um, is think how we're taking it one stage up, how we let the public know about these horrible facts, and uh, how we can cooperate. So their uh, activities on the ground, providing the information, yeah. is probably their most vital asset, their most, the most vital activity that they participate in. Right, right. They have information, and information is very important these days. Yeah. They have photos. And you can, you know, you can, you can win a battle or lose a battle with one photo. Um, and they give us 
they give Israel the chance to to fight for itself um, with information and with statistics, which is very, very important. Uh, congratulations to you on the Maskowitz uh, Prize, Mazal Tov. And uh, thank you very much for jo- thank you very much for joining us today. Continue your amazing work with Israel Shali. Tadaraba. Thank you, Lita. That's uh, Sarah Hatsny Cohen, director of Israel Shali, Moskowitz Prize recipient, and obviously the person who now owns the quote of the day so far for us here at JM and the AM, and that is, you could win a battle or lose a battle with one photograph. And I'm sure people at Rikavim would agree with that, depending on what that photograph is showing. Uh, Jeff uh, Dobby is with us. He is um, a director of the Israel office of ZOA. Uh, Dobby would be Dalby. I don't know why I kept getting it wrong. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Jeff Dalby is with us. He's director of the Israel Office of ZOA, the Zionist Organization of America. Boy, you must be taking great interest in what's happening around the world today, that's for sure. Uh, in, in fact, uh, Nachum, it's uh, too interesting. <laughs> too interesting <laughs> is right. Lots going on in the U.S. that you're very interested in, plenty going on in Israel that you're very interested in. And one of the things I'm sure you're interested in is who will, in fact, be in the position of world leadership uh, in the next few months, and uh, what type of uh, what type of people, what type of uh, of affiliations will they have, and will they be friendly or not to Israel? And there's there's so many question marks out there. Uh, we see what's been happening in Europe. We see what's been happening in the Middle East. We don't know who Israel's friends will be in the near future. Well, you know, uh, representing ZOA, I'm not permitted uh, <laughs> to take a partisan position, but I will tell you this much, Nachum. Uh, that uh, we are certainly uh, going to make a good case for the policies, if not the individual, at least the policies of the candidate who is the most pro-Israel. Right, and that's something you've been doing for a long time. Yes, yes. Uh, we're in the business of educating the public about Israel and about the U.S.-Israel relationship. So therefore, um, if I were to ask you about the pro-Israel or otherwise stance of the current president of the United States, for instance, you would be able to examine his policies and what he has and has not endorsed over the last eight years. Uh, Correct, and uh, we have done what I think. I may be biased, uh, but I think that we've done a very, very good job of drilling down and parsing or deconstructing, unpacking whatever expression you want to use uh, those policies and have shown the current administration's policies to be, uh, let's say there's a lot that is left to be desired uh, in terms of the relationship, not only the personal relationship, but their actual problems uh, with the policies themselves, uh, trying to pressure Israel, uh, making uh, Israel take certain steps that the Israeli public does not want uh, the Israeli government to take. Uh, so that the current uh, leadership here in Israel is caught in a very, very difficult bind. That is not supposed to be the role of a friend of Israel. Uh, Many people like to point out that while all this is going on, as you just described it, or whether, again, to to some people it's perception, to others it's reality, but while all this is going on, uh, there's still an amazing relationship between uh, Congress collectively and the state of Israel, or at least there's a congruence to their interest, that it seems that both uh, congressional interest and Israel's interest are are parallel. Um, So we have that to hang our hat on, so to speak, those who are concerned about Israel. Um, But what would you say uh, in terms of this atmosphere um, being similar to the way it's been the last 20, 30 years? In other words, 
the way you just described it, it would seem that this administration has been drastically different than previous ones. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, you know, I think uh, drastic is a, a relative term. I think that it has been considerably different. We have not seen a relationship uh, like this, a negative relationship like this since the Carter administration. This is, in fact, in reality, worse than uh, the relationship that existed during the Carter administration. We have had rough spots with other administrations after we bombed the nuclear reactor right. in Osirak. In uh, Iraq, uh, the Reagan, that's right. right, the Reagan administration had a little difficulty with that. They got over it very, very quickly. They in fact, did. in fact, immediately after they got over it, our relationship with that administration was better than it had been previous to the bombing. Right. Uh, so uh, we've had little bumps in the road, but this isn't a bump in the road. This is a major pothole. Um, one would then figure that uh, if... Um and I've got to be careful how I say this. If certain members of the administration knew about Rick of Im's activities here, they probably would not be supportive of it. You know, uh, I don't know whether you can be unsupportive of facts, and that's what Regavim brings to the table. They bring facts to the table that you heard from your uh, previous interviewee, uh, that they bring pictures, they bring uh, actual facts on the ground. Uh, ZOA here in Israel works very, very closely with Rigavim. Uh, one of the reasons why we do work so closely, and if you know ZOA, if you know ZOA's history, if you know my boss's history, Mort Klein's history, uh, we base our case on the facts and on actual events, on actual statistics. And this is what I personally love about Rigavim, uh, that they are not about ideology. Uh, they're about facts. They're about visuals. They're about photographs. Uh, they're about bringing people down to the Negev and showing them 800,000 dunam of uh, land that has been unilaterally and illegally taken over by the Bedouin there. And uh, uh, we have collaborated on conferences at the Begin Center. We have collaborated on trips down to uh, the Negev to show people the reality down there. And we have collaborated on trips to the E1 to show them how the EU uh, is uh, inserting uh, their buildings into our state land unilaterally without consulting with the civil administration, at least the United States, Nahum, when they put a facility down uh, in uh, Area C, they ask the Israeli civil administration mm. first. The EU does not do that. Interesting. Uh, Jeff Dalby is here. He is director of ZOA Israel, and we're discussing uh, Rigavim, and we're going to get to the bottom of the hour in a moment, but I want to take a minute. And, uh, and, and ask you, uh, you're associated with the Legal Grounds campaign. Now, is that what the, is that what it sounds like? Legal. Legal. I said with the Legal Grounds campaign. Legal Grounds campaign. Right. Is right. that what it sounds like? That yeah. the, that the attempt to get into court and to legally determine which ground is in fact Israeli owned? Well, one of the things that uh, Sarah Etzni Cohn did not mention was the fact that uh, uh, Regavim, not only do they do fantastic work in the field, but they also take this information and they file court cases with the Supreme Court here, with the Bagats here, and uh, they make it happen in the courts as well as on the ground. Uh, what we do, what Legal Grounds does is we, with the help of Regavim, including the help of Regavim in the form of providing us with uh, lecturers for a law clinic that we ran for Israeli law students here, uh, what uh, 
we do is we take uh, the conclusions of the levy report, it's loosely based on the conclusions of the levy report, which is that we are not an occupier. We have the right to live and to build in Judea and Samaria, and we are not in violation of uh, Article 49, Section 6 of the Fourth Geneva Convention. We take that and we try to get our leadership here to speak out about our legal rights based on international law. Why do we do that, Nachum? Because when I go over to Congress twice a year, uh, they say that we will be very, very happy to take up the case uh, with the State Department and provide funding for Judea and Samaria, for the Jewish communities there. But you have got to get your leadership to speak out vocally about uh, your rights. And that's what Legal Grounds is all about, getting our members of Knesset to speak up about our rights. Can we hold you here for a minute or two? Sure. Uh, we'll go to Rabbi Goldwasser, and then Jeff will continue with us. He's director of ZOA Israel, and we are discussing the Legal Grounds uh, um, effort uh, here in the uh, state of Israel. This time each and every Monday through Thursday, Rabbi David Goldwasser joins us. Zechonishma Sarav Zebin Rabbi and Esther Bas Rabbi Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Chassam Sofer explains that when a person is Mekabo Ba'ava, accepts with love all that happens, it signifies that he recognizes the goodness of Hashem. Similarly, a person may have understood that an individual might have done wrong. Whatever has happened will serve as a kapara, or an atonement, or at least the person understands that if life is too good, it's also possible for him to sin. Therefore we learn, A person should throw their burden upon Hashem and rely that Hashem will do whatever is good in his eyes. A woman had been lighting candles for a number of years. Suddenly, she found that every week after she lit the candles, one of them would consistently go out. Although she could conceive the possibility that a few or all of the flames would blow out, the airiness... of only one candle not remaining lit, bothered her very much. She believed it suggested a personal shortcoming that needed to be rectified. After a lot of soul-searching, the woman resolved to work on the midah of kaas, anger. She determined that the reason the candle was blowing out was because she needed to extinguish the fire of her own anger. She realized that she would often lose her temper with her children, with her spouse, and under pressure, her sholem bias was sometimes threatened. The following week, she made every effort to control her anger. When she lit candles that Friday afternoon, she noticed the candle begin to flicker, and its light slowly weakened. Turning her eyes heavenward, she cried, My Father in heaven, I know you are trying to teach me something with this candle. If it is true that you want me to conquer my anger, please let this candle continue burning. I know that I continue to get angry, but I am diligently working to prevail over this midah. I know I don't deserve to have an open miracle, 
But your revelation would warm my heart. She looked once again at the candles that remained burning and then went to tend to her children. When she returned to her candles approximately 15 minutes later, all the candles, including the one whose flame had died, were now shining more brightly than ever. One who believes that Hashem is his father can certainly call upon him at all times. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. JM in the AM as we continue from the Rigavim headquarters in Israel. And Jeff Dalby is with us. He's director of ZOA Israel. We're discussing Rigavim and uh, its activities here in the state of Israel. Uh, I asked you off the air if there's a way to describe to people who've never heard of the organization what Rigavim is all about. What would you say? You know, uh, Nachum, this is the way I always describe Rigavim. Rigavim is comparable to uh, what I call the little engine that could. Uh, I do not know. I'm dating myself here. I do not know how many of your listeners remember that book, that uh, children's book, The Little Engine That Could. I used to make my parents read that to me over and over again ad nauseum. Why do I call it The Little Engine That Could? Because it is just that. Uh, with a minimum staff, it has done yeoman's work. It casts such a long shadow. Uh, those uh, organizations that are, let's say, on the other side of the political divide, uh, the fat cats, as I refer to them, they get enormous EU funding. Uh, they get enormous foundation funding. Uh, they get funding from foreign governments. Uh, they have staffs, enormous staffs. Uh, they uh, are doing less than Regavim uh, with its uh, few field researchers, with its uh, few attorneys uh, fighting the good fight. Uh, so they are really uh, the little engine that could for the land and the people of Israel. Information, by the way, on the website, regavim.org. You can go to Regavim, R-E-G, avim.org. Well, you're somebody that uh, can relate to the average listener we have, because the majority of them, of course, are in North America. Um, what would you say about supporting a cause like this from so many thousands of miles away? You know, I think that uh, I uh, also try to identify, I try to look for the organizations that are lean and mean and getting the job done. <laughs> what I would say to uh, our friends in North America is if you want to support an organization where you get the biggest bang for your buck. This is it. This is it. This is the organization. And they have an opportunity to support an organization that's actively fighting for the future of the state of Israel on a regular basis. On the ground. On the ground. You know what we say here, Tachlis? It's also what you say in uh, North America. Regavim is all about Tachlis. You know, you and your, your position with ZOA are probably used to this already, but um, if, if the... Uh, if the organization, like yours, like Rukavim, etc., are under attack the way they are, they must be doing something right. Wouldn't you say so? <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, if you're getting criticized, uh, that's what I always say. Uh, then you must be doing something right. <laughs> that's exactly. for sure. And you greatly appreciated what was said earlier in terms of uh, real facts on the ground being proven and being brought into court. And that's why photographs and the observers and the, uh, the different people that are traveling around the land, and really it's the entire state of Israel, you know, for those, again, who think it's just Judea and Samaria, we're talking about the entire state of Israel, uh, who are observing all this and giving eyewitness accounts of what's happening. That is the most important part of this battle. 
You know, uh, I always say that when I go down to Congress, when I go to the Knesset, the Knesset, since making Aliyah nine years ago, has become my second home, or it used to be Congress. <laughs> yeah. uh, but when I go over Which there... Which is a friendlier home. <laughs> uh, then, you know, we could spend the next two hours <laughs> just talking that, about huh? uh, the differences or the similarities <laughs> between Congress and the Knesset very, very often. Uh, let's put it this way. When I come back from uh, either, I feel as if I have to jump into the figurative mikvah. Uh, but uh, in any case, uh, they are eyes and ears. Just like, let's say, another organization, Palestinian media watches my eyes and ears. Regavim is not only my eyes and ear, ears, but they are also my feet on the ground. Right. So that when I go in there, into the Knesset, into Congress, to try and make the case, uh, I can't do it without them. Uh, Jeff, continued success with all your work. Uh, people can go to the website at regavim.org for, um, uh, for the activities here with Regavim. And for you, of course, zoa.org is a good resource. A lot of people in this audience are big fans of what you do. I'm sure you know that. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything you do, Nahum. I appreciate that. Jeff Dalby, who is the director of the Israel Office for the Zionist Organization of America and has plenty to say about the activities of Regavim and its accomplishments here in Israel. We're going to... Avi, go to a song. All right, go to a song, and then the plenty more coming up here at JM in the AM. I remind you, we are in Israel with a week of broadcasts that continue. Uh, actually, tonight with our visit to um, Beit Meir and NCSY's NCSY Kolel that you'll hear tomorrow morning between six and nine, and then we will be uh, together on uh, Thursday night at Yom NCSY, which is of course a, a very very big event for the summer programs in Israel. We get the opportunity to be together at both of those and air them uh, on the uh, program on JM and the AM, both Thursday morning and Friday morning uh, between 6 and 9 a.m. Here's Yehuda Green. More coming up. Keep it here as we broadcast from Rigavim headquarters in Shar Binyamin here in Israel at JM and the AM. <laughs>
JM in the AM, and we are live in Israel. Over the years, oh my gosh, at this point it's over the decades, we've had an opportunity to really bring some amazing causes to your attention through this medium. Today we're at the Rig of Im headquarters in Shar Bin Yamin, in the southern part of the uh, Shomron, and uh, you have an opportunity to uh, check out more about Rig of Im at rigavim.org, R-E-G-A-V-I-M.org. Uh, Avi Hyman is with us. He is the Rig of MPR consultant. He is um, he. Every time we're we're briefed on a guest who's going to be joining us, we were told about what t- topics they can address. Here, here's an interesting one, which um, fascinated me when I saw it. Why Rig of M got involved in the vote in England regarding the Brexit campaign, and I'm fascinated by that question. And now we'll get the answer. Avi, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you very much for having me, uh, Nachum. It's a pleasure to be on. I appreciate that. Pleasure to speak with you. Well, let's start with that. Why would anybody in Israel, or maybe I would say anybody who's concerned about Israel around the world, uh, be a fan of the Brexit campaign for Great Britain to actually leave the European Union? So in the Jewish world, and in Israel in particular, it's very easy to pretend that we live in a vacuum. But uh, my job as a PR consultant to Regabim and others is to show... To, to connect Israel and our story to whatever else is going on in the world. Now, with the European Union, it's not that difficult. When it comes to the European in Regavim, we have a very, very close relationship. In the sense that Regavim is in court with the EU very, very regularly. <laughs> they know their lawyers very well, huh? <laughs> we, know exa- we don't need them to call their lawyers because we have their number. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just go back a f- quite probably a couple of years now. When I got a call from uh, from Ari Briggs from Regavim, who said to me, Avi, have something that might interest you. And that's constantly happening. I tell Regavim, if you've got anything that might be interesting, give me a call and we'll see what we can do in the press. He says, yeah, we found um, the EU's been building for a while. We know that. We know that, but there's been no signs. Well, they decided to now put up EU flags on their buildings. Right. Not only stickers, but also actual flags. So we took that to the British media, to the right-wing British media, the British media that says, we've had enough of our taxpayers' money being wasted all over the world. We pay taxes for, for Britain to make Britain better. Britain isn't doing very well. We want to see where our taxpayers' money's going. We took it to those people, and we had a field day, quite literally. So then when Brexit came along, I mean, it jumped off the page and said, Regavim, please get involved. It wasn't that we chose to get involved. We had to get involved, because... The most recent situation that we had with the European Union was that when Regavim took them to court, and as if they were coming out of some kind of uh, 1980s um, comedy film, comedy movie, they turned around and said, we plead diplomatic immunity. Mm. The European Union says diplomatic immunity to coming into territory that is 100% Israeli, according to international law, building without asking, with total impunity, putting up their flags. That, for me, as an Engl- someone who grew up in England and is Israeli by choice, that stinks of British colonialism. And if there's one thing you don't want to call an Englishman or a European, it's a colonialist. They thought that they got over that. But suddenly we walk or, or, or drive all around Judea and Samaria, even in Jerusalem, a stone's throw away from the Hebrew University, you see European flags in European colonies. That's not okay. So having Great Britain leave or decide to leave the EU is important because we don't want them part of the entity that is dis- that is uh, embarking on this colonialism in Israel? Is exactly. that how you'd put it? Exactly. From a, from a Jewish or Israeli perspective, the maths is very simple. 
the, Britain is the fifth largest economy in the world. Britain was, is one of the largest economies in Europe. Without their budget, without them giving the hundreds and hundreds of millions um, to the European Union, the European Union has a smaller budget. They have a smaller budget. They have less money to get involved to the, to, to the detriment of the Jewish state. Um, so we said that as a campaign from the beginning. We said if you don't want your money going to an illegal building, if you don't want your money going directly to terrorists, and that has been proven not by myself but by the Daily Mail and other newspapers, they proved that money was going directly, for example, to the Fogel killers from the British taxpayer. Yeah. Um, if you don't want your money going to these NGOs, hundreds of NGOs that are working against Israel, pull your money out of the EU. The EU will pull their money out of Israel and we'll all be better off. Now, I, I said that, Regovim said that originally. Since then, um, a number of professors have come out and said the same thing. And in fact, the ambassador, the British ambassador to Israel said his, in his first interview to the Jerusalem Post, don't worry, people, after Brexit, our, our relationship, the relationship between Britain and Israel is only going to become closer. Why? Because we don't have the other European... Oh, did I say anti-Semitism? <laughs> we don't have the other... The pressure of the other EU countries. Exactly. So, so Brexit, the vote happens, exit wins, right? That they are going to leave the EU. So you and the people at Regavim were quite happy. We're extremely happy. And we're extremely happy to be able to say, you know, in Britain, it's not like um, America. America, a lot of people, when they go to uh, the polling station, they think, what would be good for Israel? That's very nice of them. In England, that doesn't really happen so much right. on the same level. But we, we wanted to go to our people, by the way, not only in England, and this is what really got to them. We went to people in Israel, because if, you if you've been living in Israel for the last 15 years, as a British citizen, you could still vote from here. Mm. So a lot of people registered and voted from here, um, and hopefully it sent a clear message to the European Union, because we felt they were in a situation where we kept taking them to court as Regavim. Regavim kept taking them to court, and they kept getting out or trying to get out one way or another. So we took it to their home field. The now the most practical question, of course, and that is now that this has happened, right, and Great Britain is in the position it's in and will now enjoy more independence from, the, from its colleagues in the EU in regard to what they're doing in Israel, uh, are things going to change? Will this be a real game changer in terms of EU activity in the state of Israel? So... There's, there's two points here. The first point is obviously I'm a PR consultant. My job was to take the message of Regavim, the story of Regavim to the media. We managed to do that because, because of the Brexit campaign. And we would have done that if it would have gone one way or the other. Right. Um, time will tell. There's two years now until Britain actually will leave the EU. And in that two years, many things could happen. One thing that could happen is the EU could, or, or, or those elements within the quote-unquote aid organizations because they claim what they're doing here is aid um, they could strengthen they could become a lot stronger and start building like crazy knowing that in two years they're going to have a smaller budget or things could could be fairly similar which isn't good for us we've got thousands of illegal European buildings across Judea and Samaria this is a strategic campaign by the European Union to put facts on the ground and to ensure that Israelis cannot build where they should be able to build. For example, E1 just outside of Mali Adumim. There are plans to build there, but there is EU colonies there. Mm -hmm. If they're not moved, then, then we'll have a problem. I, I think we'll see much of the same from the European Union. As far as Regovim is concerned, this campaign isn't over. This campaign isn't over until every European Union illegal building is removed. 
Um, and as Netanyahu stated himself to the uh, international media not too long ago, we're in a catch-22. They build buildings. It looks bad for us because we're allowing them to build these illegal buildings. We demolish the buildings. We look bad because we're demolishing their buildings. Right. As long as there's EU flags up in Israel um, illegally, Regovin will continue with this campaign. Avi Hyman is with us, Regovin PR consultant. Um, what's, what's the bigger battle? Is it that... Uh, that the that the people on the other side have just as good, I don't want to say better, God forbid, especially the present company, but just as good a PR machine as uh, as the uh, machine might be on this side of the issue, or is it that, or is it that because of the multiple battles that Rigavim has to fight? It's not just fighting the EU; it's also, in a way, fighting a lot of representatives of the government of Israel, right? I mean, there there are plenty of people that need to be convinced in the Knesset that what Rigavim is. Uh, is uh, endorsing or what they're claiming is in fact correct. Is that an even bigger problem than the fact that the other side might have a good PR machine? So first I'll address the other side's alleged PR machine. Um, what I'll say firstly is that it's not that it's not Avi Hyman against another PR professional. It's Regavim, one organization against more than 50 organizations that are doing the same thing against Israel. So one organization... Out of Regavim, many, many countries... Out of many countries with government budgets, right. some of the budgets of these organizations are 85% or more from the European Union or other governments, UN, etc. It's, it's a huge problem. It's a, not a huge problem for Regavim. It's a huge problem for Israel and the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's multifaceted. We're not just dealing with Judea and Samaria, as you said before. We're dealing with the north, the south, the center of Israel. Um, Regavim even has campaigns... A lot of people don't realize we've had campaigns in places like Ranana in central Israel. Why? Because the law needs to be upheld wherever and whenever. Mm-hmm. So you can't have a situation where people just trample all over the law as they do in the Negev, as they do in north, and as they do on a, to a small extent in the center of Israel and to a huge extent all across Judea and Samaria. So the, the, the struggle is everywhere for, for Regavim. If it's in the Supreme Court, if it's in the local court, um, if it's in the Knesset, um, people need to be educated. They need to understand that the land of Israel is slipping through our fingers, quite literally. And the magnitude of the organization with field workers in every one of those geographies constantly is what makes Regavim unique. And the challenge is, like I said, is that we have 50 other organizations right. against us. But what about the frustration of having members of the Israeli government who are unsympathetic to the cause? I mean, you only need to go to uh, a shul kiddish to understand that different <laughs> Jews have different opinions. Right. So, I mean, that is one of the strengths of our democracy. One of the other strengths is that we currently have a government which is, um, you know, more more pro the Regavim way of thinking as far as having the rule of law upheld in Judea, Judea and Samaria and the rest of the country. Um, a government that understands the challenges of... of organizations like the European Union who are a little bit too involved in our issues and are now <laughs> starting to be, you know, their influence is starting to be folded back a little bit and pushed back. Um, I mean, even more than that, the founder of Regavim now occasionally wears a suit and is sitting in the Knesset. So, but Salat Smotrich in Knesset is a huge asset to Regavim. What people don't understand is that he's not in the Knesset you know, because he ran for Knesset per se. He's in Knesset because he was so useful to so many of the members of Knesset with the research from Regavim 
that they were using his information to, to make laws all the time, that they said to him, we need you in the Knesset. So that's, that's the caliber. He was sort of drafted, huh? Exactly. That's the caliber of people in this organization. You don't hear from them. They're working under, you know, under this, you know, behind the scenes every single day. And uh, it's an incredible thing to see. What, what people don't realize is that, you know, while you're coming over and celebrating uh, Pesach or Sukkot in a nice hotel in Jerusalem, or maybe even back in America, on the ground, you know, the European Union and others understand that the, uh, the Israeli inspectors won't be there because it's Pesach or because it's Sukkot. And they're building and building and building. And unless Regavim or an organization like Regavim, although there is only one organization, Regavim, um, is there, this will just continue. And uh, if timing is everything, they know all the timing. They know that, uh, those <laughs> that those during those weeks they can continue to progress. I guess uh, on Shabbat, it gives them an opportunity as well to do so, right? Friday, Shabbat, Chagim, mm. they know the Jewish calendar better than we do, and okay. they're outbuilding. Uh, Avi Hyman is a uh, Rigavim PR consultant. Our goal is to try to get more and more people outside of Israel uh, to learn about Rigavim's activities, and uh, hopefully this will help. I hope that people understand the cause and uh, feel the need and the desire to assist in building the land of Israel, because this really is building Israel. It may not be direct, it may not seem direct, but people have to understand that the role that they're playing when they support a cause like this is really building the land of Israel. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Avi Hyman, a NPR consultant here. You're listening to America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. A reminder, coming up later today, the Z Report with uh, Yossi Zweig. That happens at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on our stream. Big thank you to our friends at Traveler's Choice who present our Wednesday afternoon incredible music mix on our stream at jmnam.org. That's much appreciated. I want to thank our entire staff, including ZK, who's here, and Stan, who's back in the studio in Jersey City, New Jersey, doing the engineering. I want to thank uh, Jamie Turkel on social media. I want to thank Avrami Finkelstein and uh, Yoni Pollock back in the U.S. And I want to thank Elon Katz, who is here as our uh, Israeli assistant, the person who's on the ground for us all the time in uh, in the state of Israel. Uh, Aaron Pulver is with us uh, live via telephone. He is director of Israel Independence Fund. Uh, the fund partners with Rigavim to assist financially so that Rigavim can accomplish its goals. Aaron Pulver, welcome to JM in the AM. Are you there, Aaron? One second. Oh, there we go. I apologize. I apologize. Aaron, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Shalom, shalom. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Nahum. Thank you for having me on the air. Could you explain to our audience what is the Israel Independence Fund? Yes, I'd be happy to. Thank you. The Israel Independence Fund is a small philanthropic organization that was founded in the year 2007, which over the years has played a unique role in helping Israel to realize its continued vision as a strong, secure, and uniquely Jewish state by uh, devoting philanthropy to creative, non-political NGOs in Israel 
that provide a philanthropic focus on strengthening Israel's very core. If you will, we are the antithesis of the New Israel Fund, and exactly the opposite in everything we do and everything we strive to do. We employ on-the-ground resources here in Israel to identify NGOs that actually create positive change, that strengthen the state, the Zionist movement, the Jewish people. We've, over the years, proved the unique ability to identify and incubate small NGOs that can't afford their own fundraising efforts. And in fact, I'm proud to say that the Israel Independent Fund has been a funder and a supporter of Rigavim for ever since its uh, inception. And uh, over the years, we have happily transferred to Rigavim philanthropic funds from the United States in order to strengthen their wonderful efforts. Before, before, before we talk about the funds um, uh, support, financial support for Rigavim, can you give us a couple of other examples? It is such a nice goal to support those that are looking for a strong, secure, and uniquely Jewish Israel. What would be another organization or two or another effort or two that the fund supports in that vein? Well, I'd urge your listeners, if they have a free moment, to go to our website, fundisrael.org, and take a look at the plethora of organizations we do support. But just to give you a a general idea of some of the more interesting ones, we support a uh, volunteer organization in Judea and Samaria, that guard uh, homesteads and farms throughout Judea and Samaria in order to prevent Arab marauders from stealing herds and flocks, uh, causing almost immediate uh, bankruptcy on the part of Jewish farmers and homesteaders in, the, in Judea and Samaria. We support uh, uh, a, a very interesting organization that promotes the small village of Ki'in in the Galilee. Many of your listeners may know that Ki'in is historically the only village in Eretz Israel which has had a continuous Jewish presence in it uh, for over 3,000 years, a proven continuous uh, uh, settlement in, in that village. And uh, many of your listeners uh, also may know that the village of Ke'in, as a sign of honor to the fact that it has been uh, continuously inhabited and the Jews of Ke'in have never been exiled from the land of Israel, Keen appears on the 100 Shekel note to support programs there to bring IDF soldiers to Keen in order to give them a backdrop that the state of Israel is really not a creation that uh, came out of the dreams of Jews once Mauthausen was liberated in 1945, but rather the state of Israel and we as the indigenous aboriginal people of this country are here because we've been here for over 3,500 years, and, and, and Jewish families in Spain are proof of that. Uh, Boy, we could we could do that. We fund. We could do an entire yeah. show. We could do an entire show on the Israel Independence Fund. Frankly, I, I'd be happy to do it. I'll, <laughs> I'll just give you one other organization Go briefly ahead. that may shock your listeners. But recently, we've begun uh, to support an organization called the True Voice, Hakola Amiti. In Arabic, al-Shalk al-Hakiki, which is an organization of patriotic Israeli Arab Muslims who are raising their voice against the Arab politicians who sit in the Knesset today. Wow. And their political position is absolutely clear and very simple. They 
are grateful for having been born in a Jewish state. They are cognizant of the fact that if they were born 45 kilometers to the east or 45 kilometers north, they'd be living in a literal hell. And they are the first ones to say, if you don't love this country and if you're not willing to serve this country as it is, with its anthem, with its symbol, with its flag, with its Jewish identity, then you should leave. And that's called the true voice. That's called the true voice. Very interesting. And we're proud to support them. Aaron Pulver is with us, director of the Israel Independence Fund. Okay, tell us now about the funding and being funding partners with Regavim, why it's so important that they be- get the financial support they need. Well, I first met Yudah uh, Eliyahu and uh, Ari Briggs and Bethel Smotrich when they created Regavim. And I was immediately impressed, not only on their on their on their message and on their intent and on the direction of the organization and what they wanted to create, but on their own personal capabilities to dedicate themselves to an unbelievable project that would have tremendous impact on the state of Israel. Their Zionist agenda is, to put it simply, managing Israel's land resources for the Jewish people. Israel is clearly a small country, approximately the size of New Jersey, one of the most crowded countries and densely populated countries in the world. Having said that, it's also a country, as you have reviewed in your show thus far, that suffers not only from seditious, illegal building and land grab attempts that are being made by organizations like the European Union, but also suffers from lack of following the letter of the law in terms of new building in areas of the northern Gal- northern Negev uh, and the Galilee. What Rekhavim has done by photographing, documenting, mapping illegal construction throughout the length and breadth of the land of Israel is quite amazing. By contacting authorities responsible for land usage and land enforcement, by demanding that they take all necessary legal measures to immediately halt and demolish what has become an epidemic of illegal construction in the land of Israel, they are absolutely affecting land management for future generations of Jews. Amazing. Great work that they're doing, and it's, a, it's fascinating to me that something like the Israel Independence Fund exists, as you said, in answer to some of the other funds that we've heard out there, uh, but that one that people can uh, contribute to and that you responsibly go ahead and give out those funds to, uh, you know, g- g- forward the funds to worthy organizations. Uh, information, I assume, they can go to fundisrael.org, correct? That's correct. Fundisrael.org. They are one of the supporters of Rigavim. I thank Aaron Pulver. Todaraba, thanks so much for joining us and for being involved in so many great causes. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. We're live in Israel. We're at Rigavim headquarters. The website is rigavim.org. Again, that's rigavim.org. You can check it out online. Our live broadcast continues until 9 a.m. Eastern time with more special guests coming up at JM in the AM.
Jam in the AM. What are we doing in the uh, Binyamin region of Israel is the question. The answer is we're visiting our friends at Rigavim and uh, finding out about their activities, an incredible effort. Many of it uh, legal effort, legal battles that are being fought uh, to ensure that um, that individuals and organizations and governments uh, don't come in and illegally take over or encourage others to take over land here in Israel. And every one of these little battles is a battle. Nothing actually is little, and they're doing quite a job at it. Uh, Rigavim information at the website, rigavim.org, R-E-G-A-V-I-M.org. And people like Josh Haston has been with us before, and uh, Ari Briggs has been with us before, uh, before today, uh, are very involved with the organization. And today we've met a nice roster of people who continue to uh, work with and to praise the efforts of Rigavim. Eli, um, Eli um, Piepsch is with us. He's Director of International Affairs for the ESHA Council. He's been with us before. And we've had an opportunity to speak with him on a variety of topics. He is um, somebody who is uh, working with uh, Donnie Dayan as he takes over as uh, Consul General in New York, which happens in the next few weeks. August 1st. August 1st. And Ellie, we say, uh, uh, we say uh, good morning to you here at JM in the AM. Good morning and a pleasure to be with you again. It's funny. You said to me a minute ago, <laughs> it struck me. You said to me that uh, with Yesha, um, uh, you're working on and uh, looking forward to the Jubilee, the Yovel, the 50th year of uh, really what has been, uh, uh, you know, for the last 49 years, one of the most historical and important uh, episodes in Jewish history, and that's, of course, a Jewish presence in Judea and Samaria. And I'm saying to myself, wow, every time I hear 50 coming up, like everybody else around the world, all we think about is Yerushalayim. That's all we can say. It took us decades to establish a Yom Chevron that, right. you know, that, that, that that city also deserves on the 29th of ER to be recognized. And now, as you just said, hey, let's celebrate all of Judea and Samaria because it is going, going to be coming up in May of next year on 50 years for that great celebration. Exactly. It's Yudavish Shamron. It's the Golan Heights. All right, of this area has been, was really rejuvenated. <laughs> in June of 1967, and uh, I, think it's a, I think it's an appropriate time for us to really try to connect uh, with uh, Jewish communities around the world. Um, I'm not sure if our arguments um, in the international community are going to be any more solid or any more accepted uh, next year, but I do think that uh, this 50th year, this, this uh, Yovel, Shanat Yovel, is something that we can connect with and people will look at, look at and what, what is it all about? What is right. Yudav Shimon all about? I, I'm thinking it's going to be just the opposite. As we continue to celebrate and increase the celebration, it will likely <laughs> increase the, <laughs> the animosity on the other side. Well, we will have that. Um, <laughs> the other side is the way pretty, it seems to work, huh? <laughs> unfortunately, the other side is pretty well organized, yeah. um, and there's a lot of them, and they will be coming, and they will be aggressive. Um, and they will be talking about what they consider an occupation. Um, it's unfortunate, yeah. but that's the reality. But then on top of that, what that leads to is a heightened level of awareness of Yudav Shamron, um, and it presents an opportunity, a platform, for us to really advocate and really try to connect with the Jewish communities, and the non-Jewish communities, but primarily the Jewish communities in the States. Um, in advance of the show, and I've and I got to commend Josh Haston and my staff for doing this, they, they've really identified some of the topics that would be most appropriate for, for each guest here this morning. And, uh, and one of the ones attributed to you is the relationship between Israel and the U.S. in terms of personnel on the ground in Israel. We don't talk about this enough. Uh, we, we, of course, discuss, rightfully so, some of the friction 
between Washington and Jerusalem. But the level of cooperation here, describe it for us about how uh, American representatives and the Israeli counterparts are working in so many areas together. Well, I think one of the points that you just brought out at the beginning was uh, Danny Dayan in two weeks is going to be taking over um, the Consul General in New York, Ido right. Aharoni. The outgoing Consul General did a phenomenal job um, and has a lot of fans in New York and oh, it will yeah. be sad seeing him go from many people. Um, but what has happened over the last few months and few years is that the the people that Yerushalayim, that Bibi, is sending over to America to be the face of Israel to the American people, to the American Jewish community, um, is changing. Um, first, you have Ron Dermer. Mm-hmm. Ron Dermer is the ambassador to Israel, um, or ambassador to America, right. um, somebody who is very clearly uh, affiliated and associated with the settlement movement. Um, you ask anybody on the left, they will definitely say Ron Dermer is a big settler and a big uh, somebody who is pushing um, Yudav Shamron. Um, you look at the UN, you have somebody by the name of Danny Danone, right. um, who's been there, who's a, who's a tremendous fighter. He just had a big event at the UN a long time ago, I mean, just a few weeks ago. The anti um, Exactly. Um, somebody, again, very strongly affiliated with uh, Judea and Samaria. Then you look at uh, Dani Dayan. Dani Dayan is known in Israel for being the head of the Yesha Council, the main settler lobby. It actually um, caused a little bit of a, of a stir. It caused a, little, it caused a little bit of a stir in Brazil, um, but fortunately um, he's in a much better place and a much more effective place in New York. Um, so he will be again, and the Consul General in New York, his primary role is to be the interface between Israel and the mainstream Jewish communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so Putting somebody who's going to be talking about that, who that's going to be at the, the, the front of his, all of his communication, that's critical. If you look at Los Angeles, we have a new consul general going to L.A. also, um, uh, what's it called, also August 1st. His name is Sam Grunwig, um, and he is a resident of Efrat, um, lives in Judea, um, uh, grew up with uh, Ron Dermer in Miami. Um, again, so you look at the top four Israeli representatives in America – all of them very clearly associated with Judea and Samaria. Um, and I think when you look at that as a whole, that really shows a certain pivot um, to the Jewish community that Israel recognized that we have to be reaching out, we've got to be educating, we've got to be connecting on Judea and Samaria, not sweeping it under the rug, not saying, hey, this is a little bit uncomfortable, we don't really know how to explain it. We've got to take it on, straight on, and that is the way that we connect with uh, the Jewish community, those, both those who love us and both those who don't understand us, um, we have to address those issues. Ellie Piepsch is with us, Director of International Affairs for the Yesha Council. I was told that you'd have the answer to the question of why the July 4th celebration is taking <laughs> place two weeks later today, July 20th, here in Israel. July 4th. So I, initially, I, I actually spoke with the consulate. I'm going with my daughter uh, in a few minutes. We're going to be heading over there after this to... Uh, in consulate. Jerusalem, I assume? In Jerusalem. Um, the, the consulate in Jerusalem is... Uh, it's very frustrating that it actually perpetrates um, actual discrimination against Jews who live in Yudav Um Typically, in any other embassy in the world... The embassy is responsible to their citizens living in a given country. So the embassy, the American embassy, should be responsible for me and my family. As if Um, it's an extension of that country. Exactly. But here, they they treat the Jews living in Yudav Shomron as separate people living in a separate country, and therefore only the consulate represents us. When you go to the consulate to the celebration, they will be very gracious 
to the Arabs. They'll be very gracious to Palestinians. They will be very gracious to Jerusalem. They will not utter the word Israel. The consul general will not say, it's great to be here in Israel. He will say, it's great to be here in Jerusalem. Even though the consulate is located in an area that was part of Yushalayim in 48, 49, 50. It was in western Jerusalem. Still can't even say that because saying the word Israel is too difficult for the Arab leaders that they are um, entertaining. Um, July 4th took place during Ramadan. So they want to delay a little bit after that. Um, it ended the first week of July. Um, and then after that, I was told that all of the American staff were on vacation. And <laughs> they were able, and again, as a very patriotic American, the idea that you can't get the government to hold your vacations till after July 6th, July 7th, you they all went on vacation. We're having it on July 20th. That is quite a nidcha. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> do we have a halachic precedent for us? I mean, that you can go ahead and celebrate it two weeks you know, later. I will say that those in America, if you want, you cannot not, uh, put on tefillin today if you want. I'm tachanin today. He's kidding, folks. He's kidding. LBPF is with us. Okay, Yudan Shamron, we're talking about the 50th anniversary, and that's beautiful symbolically and even more so. We hope it'll encourage people to visit and to help build Yudan Shamron. But speaking of building, uh, we, we all, I shouldn't say all we hear, we often hear about freezes, about approach by the Israeli government to quote-unquote settlements, etc. Is there, in fact, building going on in Judea and Samaria? There is some building going on right now, but there is a lack of planning for the future. And I think that is what is going on, is that normally there is, you know, I, in the States, I was a real estate developer, and there's a life cycle to how these things go. Um, you have to make plans, you've got to do the zoning, you've got to get the permits, you've got to move things along. And that is what has happened, is stopping right now. Um, so there is some construction on the ground. If you come to Yudav Shimon, you'll see that but kind that's of construction. sort of residual, you would say. Exactly. That will run up very soon. Right. And in fact, one of the bigger areas is not just um, residential, but it's also, you look at the commercial. Uh, we have a number of areas where we're in right now is an industrial zone, um, where we have some commercial uh, space. Uh, not far away is a place called Mishora Dumim, um, which is where um, the company called SodaStream, that got, got a little bit well, that's they moved to. well, SodaStream was in Mishra Dominion. Ah. They couldn't get the permits to expand, so now they moved out, and they now are in the, the Negev. Mm -hmm. And ironically, what is kind of uh, ironic, which it really speaks to the value of an organization like Rigavim, is that uh, SodaStream was attacked internationally because they were in uh, the West Bank, mm -hmm. they were occupying, they're doing terrible things. They relocate to the Negev, a place that had always been Israel, and what happens? The same thing. They're accused of taking Bedouin lands. Um, they're attacked the exact same way. What we need to understand is that the same people who are attacking Israel for Yudav Shamron will attack Israel wherever we are. Including Tel Aviv. Including Tel Aviv. And maybe one day we'll figure that out. Uh, L.E.P. Epsh, Director of International Affairs for the Yesha Council. Uh, continue. Good luck to you. Thank you very much. And I uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Information about Rigavim and their activities. It's rigavim.org, R-E-G-A. Vim.org. Uh, we are here today in Israel, part of an amazing week for us. It'll continue tonight as we go to NCSY, Kolel, and Beit Meir, and that you'll hear tomorrow morning at JM in the AM. It'll continue on a Thursday night when we head to Yom NCSY with all the NCSY summer programs and air that on Friday morning as part of JM in the AM. It'll continue on Sunday when we visit Yeshiva Makarachayim in the Gush, and that'll be the first broadcast we do in our three weeks format on Monday morning at JM in the AM. Anything you want to comment on, you can do so on our app. Go to the NSN app. You can comment away at the moment. You can also see uh, the proceedings here from the Rigavim makeshift studio by going to NahumSiegel.com and checking out the video on the home screen right now. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. A uh, Wednesday morning broadcast. We are live in Israel. And uh, speaking about Regavim, regavim.org for information. Mayor Deitch is with us. Mayor Deitch is Director of Policy and Government Relations for Regavim. Uh, he knows what's happening here in uh, many different areas of Israel, including the Negev, which we just mentioned a moment ago. Uh, we keep uh, focusing on illegal EU building in Yudan and Shomron and how Rigavim is dealing with that. It's one of the revelations of this uh, of this broadcast that I think is most significant. He'll be able to deal with that as well with us here at JM in the AM. Mayor Deitch, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nathan. Thank you so much for having me on yourself. A pleasure to speak with you. You, you actually, I, I think it's attributed to you. If not, then you certainly could address the topic. There's a booklet that we found here at the Rigavim headquarters that is enti- I mean, an entire booklet dedicated to it called The Truth About the Bedouin. And I don't think the average listener, frankly, and the people living in North America who care about Israel understand the role of the Bedouin in all the illegal activity or many of the illegal activities that are going on here in Israel. Can you sum that up for us? Could you tell us about how the Bedouin themselves and how they are influenced by others to get involved and participate in illegal activities in Israel? So, first of all, I want to thank you. I mean, I've, I've been listening to the show and uh, I want to thank you for uh, having us on your show. Um, it's a great opportunity for us. And you have spoken a lot about the EU illegal work. What's going on in Israel, in the negative and in the Galil, it's exactly... Uh, to show that the the whole problem of Israel and the Arabs is not about the 67 borders, but it's about the 48 borders. Right. And when I say that, I mean about what's going on in the Negev and in the Khalid. In the Negev, we're talking about uh, the Bedouin living down there that took over almost a million dunams, a million dunams that's 10% of the open land of Israel. The Bedouins took over in illegal ways, like building illegal structures, uh, we're talking about, just to, just to understand the numbers, we're talking about around 70,000 illegal structures that are set out on a huge amount of land. Uh, I know, I'm sure your listeners have heard in the past um, people talking about illegal Jewish settlements in the Dan Samaria, Ju- uh, uh, illegal outposts. So just to understand what we're talking about, the illegal structures uh, of Jews in Judean Samaria, we're talking about approximately 2,000 to 3,000 structures. In the same time, in the negative, we're talking about 70,000 uh, illegal structures that were built by the Bedouins. Wow, that's a lot. Um, that is a lot. the world does not... It's, it's a lot. And exactly what we're talking about, the, approximately 40,000 illegal structures up in the Canadian. Wow. So 20% of the negative, of the northern negative, uh, was taken uh, by, by Bedouins, taken over illegally by Bedouins. And you're asking, how, how is that possible? Right. It's possible because with the Negev, it's total lawlessness. What's going on with the Negev is people were able, before the government showed, showed up, people just went ahead and in the desert and built a, built a tent. So a year or two, the tent came down and you see that there's a shack underneath the tent. And after a year, a few years, that shack came down and you see a structure made out of concrete. Uh, and that has happened for many, many years, um, probably since the establishment of the state of Israel. And slowly but, but surely, it became a huge, huge area, uh, as I said, of, of almost a million dunams 
that was overtaken by the veterans and women. I, I mean, I'm not. Uh, this is in no way condemning anybody. I understand how noble and incredible this effort is, but uh, we really got off to a late start when you think about it. The numbers are staggering. You're, you're 100 percent right. Uh, it is staggering. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 I mean, again, uh, I'm, I'm sure your listeners heard about the, the, the you know, the, the settlements and all that. I'm sure they did not hear about the situation of the natives. Right. People coming to Israel, they usually stop on the way down to the lot. They stop to, like, in a veteran stand, and they have to see that, and they don't understand that the, the real situation down the negative is of total lawlessness. It's not only in, in building permits and, uh, you know, the illegal building, it's also in many other aspects. Of Vice Negev, but certainly the overthinking of that is one of the major issues over there. Are, are there any other strategies besides going into court? And I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm just trying to think if there's any other method or any other direction that an organization or, or people who care can go in other than going into court to try to solve this. So definitely, I mean, we, we are working with the, with the, with the uh, present government very closely. Uh, the government sees like the as a partner, not as someone that attacked. Uh, attack it, uh, and but in order for the government to work and change their policy, they have to know what's going on in the field. And I'm sad to say that, but the government of Israel, the same way the government of Israel did not know that the EU was building structures in Area C, exactly the same situation happened in the negative, where the government was not aware of how many illegal structures they have. Un- unbelievable. <laughs> So, so, so that number one, the facts in terms of number, and number two, the evidence in terms of photos and and eyewitness accounts, end up being the most important things to get the government to be cooperative. Correct, and 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 to fight, you were talking a lot about the BDS on the show, right? In order to fight, the BDS is a monster that's feeding off of lies. In order to deal with those lies, you need to show the facts, you need to show photos, and for years. When Israel tried to deal with the illegal building of the negative, and Israel did uh, carry out the militants, so the whole world, I mean, uh, a lot of organizations, as we're talking about 62 organizations, just in the negative dealing, helping the Bedouins do this illegal uh, uh, work. Uh, and they, every time there was a demolition, all of the organizations around the world uh, condemned Israel for demolishing a, that illegal housing. And, for, and they were saying, Israel is demolishing homes of Bedouins that lived there for decades, and that the Bedouins over there lived in these structures before the state of Israel. And when you hear that, so the state of Israel says, okay, okay, I'm not going to demolish any more illegal structures. It's just up to the government to come and show that their photos, showing that the Bedouins five years ago or ten years ago weren't there. They never lived there. They never had structures <laughs> there. And we do that by showing historical, historical air footage. Even before the state of Israel, he showed that the veterans never lived in, in that area. They never had uh, structures in those uh, places. Uh, I, I mean, I'm saying that the, the veterans never lived there. The veterans lived in the Negev before the state of Israel, but they never lived in uh, structures. They right. were nomadic. And yeah. they were nomadic, they had no land. It, in tents. So it's up to the Gavin. Right. They live in tents, and they used to... Uh, go uh, according to the seasons. They used to travel with their tents and with their flocks around the Negev uh, to find food for their sheep. Uh, they never lived in communities. They never lived in towns. But, but in order to say that, I have to show their footage showing that same place of the demolition that there were never structures there 10 years ago or 20 years ago. 
So, um, so or I give you another another story of, of, of when when uh, the, the Canadian Prime Minister, uh, the, the previous one, Stephanie Harper, came to Israel, and he spoke in the Knesset. The two Arab members of the Knesset are yelling at him, and one of them is Ahmed Tibi, and he's yelling, you know, my friend uh, Abu Al, another Arab of the Knesset, in his village, there's no water and there's no electricity because Israel. Uh, does not supply water and electricity to the veterans in the Middle East. Right. So the next day, up in the magazine, we went down and we took photos of his house, of the Solicitor's house, yeah. and we showed that his, his house is connected to the grid, it's connected to electricity, it's connected to water, it has satellite uh, dishes on it, it has uh, air conditioning. Um, to spread the lies about, about Israel is very, very easy, but in order to show that these are lies, it takes a lot, a lot of work. Well, I was going to say, it takes a lot of chutzpah on their side, especially when you're able to produce the evidence that you can in response. Uh, you mentioned, and, and uh, Mayor Deitch is with us, Director of Policy and Government Relations for Rigavim. You mentioned the aerial photos. You mentioned the evidence that comes from the sky, so to speak, now. So the, the role of drones in your research is really multifaceted. Number one, it spares the uh, the necessity to actually send a person there to inspect, I would assume. right? That would be one advantage and keeps them safer. And and secondly, uh, you know, as the technology gets better and better, the uh, the effort can only get better and better because you'll be able to provide even better evidence, uh, you know, in court. Correct. So the drone is mamash a hatalakayim. It's a life-saving device. Uh, you know, the story just gave you about uh, going and taking a picture of that. Right. So those message house, the member of parliament, when I went in, into that village, an Arab village, the Arab village, so they saw me taking pictures of the house, and they, they sent cars to chase me, uh, and I was blocked off. I was, they, they tried to prevent me of leaving that town. It was only by, by really chance and a lot of, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, pushing down on the gas pedal, uh, that I was able to get away, uh, safely. Um, but that was before, before we had the drones. And we have these kind of stories, uh, uh, all, all the, the, the field people of Lagavin have these stories where they were attacked by the Arabs living. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's in the Negev or the Galil or near Tel Aviv. Uh, there's a, a, a illegal village right next to, uh, the airport, uh, next to Lod, the, the international airport of Israel. Uh, there's an illegal village over there. So we were all attacked in different areas of Israel because we have to go into these villages to take care of what's going on. And the drones are getting the, the ability of being outside of that village and using the drones to get the information that we need. So if anybody out there has a few hundred drones they want to donate to the organization, it'll be most welcome. <laughs> <laughs> to yep, say, to yep. say the least. Mayor Deitch, Director of Policy and Government Relations for Regavim. The website is regavim.org, R-E-G-A-V-I-M.org. Mayor, thank you so much for joining us today and continued Hatzlacha. Thank you very much, Josh Haston is with us. He's, of course, International Director for Rigavim. Boy, we've, got, we've gotten quite an education over the last couple of hours, haven't we? A lot of information. Huh? A lot of information, a lot going on here in Israel as uh, Rigavim is doing some amazing work, incredible work. And uh, I even found out why Israel should have been rooting for uh, the United Kingdom to leave 
the European Union. Yeah, we're very happy about that. Why Final, not? I meant to I meant to mention this or or to ask Mayor as he was uh, on the phone and just slipped my mind for a moment. Um, he we continue to emphasize the EU building in places like you, Don Shamron, but I believe you and others have already said that 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 same thing is being duplicated in plenty of areas outside of Israel. EU is not just concentrating in Judea and Samaria, correct? It, you mean outside of Judea and Samaria? Outside, outside of, of the country? Samaria. Yeah, I mean, uh, the European Union is trying to have influence just overall in the way things run here in Israel. So we're seeing that on, on many different levels. You're talking about the financing of these NGOs who are operating with an anti-Israel agenda and are sticking their heads into internal Israeli matters. We saw it um, you know, with, with, with the election, and there was some involvement, in, unfortunately, with different groups funded by the State Department as, as well. But they are trying to, you know, you have the European Union label products here right. that come out of Judea and Samaria, number one. But, but all over the country, really, they're trying to dictate policy uh, from... Uh, and, and it's not, listen, the, the point is it's not humanitarian. They, they could claim that they're going after the so-called settlements, but when you have a company with, with headquarters in Tel Aviv that has a factory, let's say, in Judea and Samaria, and they go after that factory, they're really targeting those who are running the, the operations from Tel Aviv. So it really affects the whole country. Anytime they stick their heads or their noses into, uh, into Israel's business, um, whether it's uh, the issues of the housing or, or any issues, really, they have all these NGOs f- funded by the European Union, and uh, they're not... They're not here for Israel's interests, no matter what they claim, no matter what they say. Yeah. And a lot of people fall for it here on the ground, unfortunately. You, you know, we mentioned that the, the evidence that Rigavim can provide uh, when it comes to illegal building uh, is influential for obvious reasons in the courthouse, right? I mean, it's obvious why it would be. Uh, you're able to present evidence and, uh, you know, have certain things reversed or decisions made that need to be made. But I wonder if in the, not in the world of public opinion, but in the world of the media, I wonder if journalists are able to be swayed, because many journalists you might know have an anti-Israel bent at times. And I wonder if any of this, if all the evidence, if all the convincing, if all the uh, proof that's brought to their doorstep, I wonder if any of that will have an influence on any of them. Well, in all my years working with the press here in Israel, you really have three different types of journalists. You have those who are pro-Israel, not enough. You have those who are anti-Israel, who are blatantly anti-Israel. And then you have those in the middle who may be dropped off here by their bureau chiefs and not understand anything, not really know the situation. Um, I remember once a reporter asked me something about, well, you know, the Iranians are planning to uh, to build the, a bomb, perhaps to use nuclear weapons against Israel. You know, are, are, are your uh, shelters, your bomb shelters sufficient and I'm thinking, there's, in a nuclear attack, these, these bomb shelters aren't sufficient. That's not for that purpose. But, I, I, but my point is that we really need to target those in the middle, those who are open-minded, who come to Israel, who don't really necessarily understand the situation, and who aren't wooed by, let's say, the Palestinian Authority or the others who are trying to woo the journalists. And they've been doing this. It's a well-oiled machine that's been operating for 50 years plus right. now on the other side. So we really have to target those in the middle who haven't made their minds up on Israel in general, um, if it is the specific issues of land or what Regavim is doing. But I think that's really the key. When you're talking about public diplomacy, when you're talking about all these efforts and initiatives by a lot of uh, well-meaning public diplomacy organizations, and there are plenty of them here, it's really about targeting those who have not made up their minds, who don't hate, don't hate Israel, may not love Israel, but really you have to get through to those people. I think that's the goal. You mentioned earlier um, to me that we're very close to Migron. 
Uh, I assume we're close to Har Bracha as well, or maybe not as Further close. up in the Shomron. Har Bracha would be further For north. 45 minutes up, up in the Shomron. And I, I bring these up because these have been areas that have been contested and have been in court in Israel and decisions made regarding them that you know are not always very popular in certain you know parts of the of the Jewish world including a lot of these a lot of listeners who are tuned in right now frankly uh who don't always uh, agree with the attitude that the Israeli courts and the Israeli government takes to the take to these areas D- does Rigavim get involved in that aspect of things when the when the government is you know not challenging the EU or or, or when the gov- when the government is in a way you know, replacing the EU in the battles for the land of Israel. You know what I mean by that? Right. I know what you mean. I mean, Regavim, for the most part, sticks to these issues, illegal building. And as one of the other guests said before, you have, I think it was Avi Hyman, said you have 30, 40, 50 organizations who are already out there right. who, are, who are looking at uh, how, how Jews are building. But I'm glad you brought up Migron, because whether you agree or not with the Supreme Court's decision, you know, originally Migron was on top of the hill, above the winery there, Sagot Winery, and now they took 60 people, 60 families rather, and moved them out of their homes. That's just an example of uh, whether you agree or disagree with the, with that decision, and it's complicated. It's an example of a law-abiding nation that, despite your personal opinion, at the end of the day, the court makes a decision and, and things happen. And, and Migron, I think, is the, is, is the perfect example of that, you know, regardless of whether you like it or not. Those people were, unfortunately, in my opinion, unfortunately forced to move. Um, but if you, I think the perfect example is if you, let's say you build a, an illegal porch in Tel Aviv or an illegal <laughs> basement, and I know people who have done it with, with, you know, not knowing that they were doing something wrong. A friend of ours built an illegal basement in their house in Modi'in. And again, I don't know if they knew it was illegal or not. Or not. Somebody reported it, and they came and, and very quickly... Uh, you know, filled in that basement. So, in other words, the law was applied in Modi'in when it, when a Jew built illegally, whether it's harmless or whether now it's intentional. Now you want it applied. Now we want it applied to the other side, and I think that's the bottom line. No question about it. Josh Haston is with us, and he is international director for Rigavim. He will be visiting the United States. You want to be in touch with him? Go to the website rigavim.org, R-E-G-A-V-I-M.org, and. You stay right there if you don't mind. I will. Uh, we have with us via telephone member of Knesset from the Likud Party, Sharen Haskell, and uh, she is with us uh, live via telephone. Shalom, shalom. Thank you very much for joining us at JM in the AM. Shalom, Nachum Spiegel. How are you today? Baruch Hashem. The pleasure to speak with you. We have been spending the last two and a half hours talking about Rigavim and the activities that oh, they've, wow. and the activities that they have undertaken in the state of Israel to try to preserve the land of Israel and to keep it in proper ownership for the future. Can I have your impressions of the organization and the accomplishments that they've been able to accomplish over the last few years? Wow. Well, I do a lot of work with Regavi, also with the preserving of the of the land of Israel, but not just, uh, you know, they're, they're monitoring a lot of the illegal construction that is being done by the Bedouin in the Negev and by the Palestinians, um, also illegal construction by the European Union um, around areas who are owned by Israel. Um, but there's also another aspect that I don't know if they told you about it, but it's the environmental aspect. They are monitoring um, environmental activities uh, of people in the Negev and also in the in the Judea and Samaria of people who are polluting uh, the land, polluting the water, polluting the air, 
a lot of the material that they are sending to us about illegal construction, about pollution, is being raised here and being taken care of. Just recently, they detected 11 um, petrol stations who, who didn't have the infrastructure to hold the petrol there, and there were leaks, ground leaks and water, and, and leaks into the water ground. And so, I mean, there's a tremendous uh, impact of their activity uh, directly on not just keeping the land uh, 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 that is owned by Israel, but also to keep it uh, safe and clean as well. Oh, I'm glad you brought this up because we were informed in advance that this was one of the very important parts of the mission. Uh, as you said, sometimes it might get lost because we concentrate on illegal activity and defeating those who are, in fact, uh, on land illegally. But the environmental aspect to it is uh, is extremely important. Um, what have you seen? What have you seen, aside from the, the leaks that you mentioned, what have you seen in terms of progress that's been made in the area of environmentalism by Rigavim? Well, there's a lot of work that I do in cooperation with them about the pollution of water. There's about 33 rivers who are being uh, polluted, and the underground water, one of our biggest water aquifer, which is under Judean Samaria, is at risk, and it's this water aquifer will be polluted by the sewage that is being sent through the Palestinian Authority. This will be an irreversible damage to our uh, clean water. Um, now, with that, we've been monitoring a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the pollution where it's coming, uh, trying to construct different uh, uh, treatment plants as well through Israel, uh, and monitoring the funds who are coming from. Uh, America and from the European Union towards uh, building uh, treatment plants to make sure it is getting to the construction and not to uh, other activities or to the pockets, uh, you know, of the Palestinian Authority leaders or their friends around them. What's the general uh, assessment of, I don't know if there's a way to even address this, but I'm curious what the general reaction is in the Knesset to these efforts, because there are people who may not be uh, as enthusiastic about Rigavim's activities when it comes to, uh, you know, they're, they're being watchdogs over the EU and others. But when it comes to the environment, they might be big fans of theirs. Do you find that a lot in the Knesset? Um, yes, I, I find that not just in the Knesset, but also other, you know, even environmental groups mm. and, and agencies who are meant to be doing this particular work they're actually turning a blind eye towards these issues. Right. Um, and the Vim are the only ones who come and bring the proper reporting about that. And so, I mean, it's not just the Knesset. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different bodies and people who actually do that. And so, you know, it's a, it's a very, it's a lot of a gray area. Many people don't want to deal with it because the situation is so complicated. If it was the construction, always the pollution around Judea and Samaria and in the negative. It has so many different aspects and layers. Uh, many people just don't want to touch these issues because once you touch them, uh, it, it provokes such a rage within so many different groups that they try to avoid it. And the regime are not scared to come and raise these issues. And that's why the work with them in the Knesset is so important. They come and they uh, bring these issues to parliament members where they know they are not scared to touch on these issues and promote them and bring them to the public as well. Member of Likud, member of Knesset, Sharon Haskell, 
is with us. Um, uh, the website is rigavim.org for information. I have to ask you, as a member of Knesset, and there's been a lot of attention on this recently, um, when you hear, when you see uh, members of um, uh, Arab parties and maybe even others uh, get up and make negative statements regarding the Israeli government, regarding the Israeli uh, army, etc., um, I mean, how do you view that? Do you view it as intolerable? Do you view it as uh, the beauty of a democratic country? Uh, how do you look at, uh, at at those who get up as members of Knesset and make statements like that? Sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't uh, uh, get this question. Could you could you repeat it? I'm, I'm asking you about your impression when members of the Knesset, specifically maybe from Arab parties, get up and have derogatory things to say about the government of Israel, the state of Israel, and the Israeli army. Well, I think that yesterday we passed a clear message that there's a limit to to to, to what you are allowed to say. Uh, I mean, freedom of speech is extremely important, specifically in Israel. But when we use it, not just use it, but when you when you abuse this right by promoting hatred, by promoting violence, and I want to just mention one situation where a Knesset member, through the moment of silence in the remembrance of a terrorist, someone who murdered innocent people. I mean, anywhere else that would happen around the world, <laughs> uh, this particular parliament would have been thrown out of the of parliament or from Congress. Can you imagine a Congress member sending a moment of silence in the remembrance of a terrorist in the Orlando massacre? What would have happened to this parliament member? This is promoting violence. This is promoting hatred. And this is the line that we need to draw uh, between where, where you abuse your freedom of speech. That's what we did today, uh, yes, last night, with our legislation, where when people are abusing this right, they, are, uh, they will be suspended from the Knesset. I thank you so much for joining us. Uh, continued success, and we will continue to spread the word of great causes and organizations. Thank you very much, Sharon Haskell. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be on your show. Appreciate that. More coming up here as we continue from Rigavim headquarters, actually our final minutes. And uh, Josh Haston is with us again, uh, International Director for Rigavim. And if I'm not mistaken, member of Knesset, Betzalo Smotrich is with us. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. Hi. You have been uh, given credit, uh, both historically and even all the way up until today, <laughs> for starting this organization and for realizing how important this organization is. Can you tell us what happened back in 2006 that spurred you on to do this with Regavim? Look, we came here uh, to Israel and we built our uh, state here in Eretz Israel because we believe that this country is owned to uh, the people of Israel, to the Jewish. And uh, we didn't go to Uganda or to another place in the world. Um, and it means that um, we have a very, very special, um, how do you say it? Connection. Connection um, to this land, and we have to keep it in our uh, land. And we saw um, that uh, many, many other people, Arabs, and not only, uh, trying to uh, take it out of our hand. Uh, they um, did it very, very, um, excuse me, about my English, because yeah, no it's fine not so me. well. <laughs> so far, so um, good. But they, they did it very, very. Um, in, uh, in partnership. 
strategic. Yeah, yeah, strategic way. And um, we thought that we have to uh, stop it. So we uh, built Rigavim and we're trying to influence the policy of the government of Israel. Right. And quickly, what was that court case? It was, it, was, it was like what we've been discussing today, back 10 years ago. It was simply a court case over who has a right to a specific piece it's of land? It's a very um, interesting story, because, uh, but it, it's, it's a long story. My um, uh, friendship here in Regavim, Yudai Eliyahu, the uh, mankal of Regavim today. We met him earlier. Yes, I'm I, I sure. Um, he built a new uh, settlement in Yehuda Shimon. His name is Harisha. And the one of the first uh, cases that the left side took to the yeah. Supreme Court in Israel um, was uh, against his uh, settlement. And when we thought uh, about the uh, uh, solution for this problem, uh, we got this idea to build Rigavim and to try to uh, um, put a mirror between the uh, judge in the Supreme Court, and, and it's, not, it's not only the Supreme Court. <laughs> now we are doing the job in the Knesset, and we are right. doing in the public here in Israel, in the whole uh, um, press and television right. and radio. And I want to discuss the Knesset with you in a minute, but you see, it's, it's funny how life is. They didn't realize what they were doing. Yeah. When they went sure. ahead and they, and they took him on, if, all of a sudden... If they, they knew have, that it's going exactly. to be a big maybe they didn't... Then they would yeah. have kept quiet, <laughs> and, and that woken up yeah. the sleeping giant. Yeah. Uh, member of Knesset, Betal Smotrich is here, founder of Rigavim. Uh, you're with the Jewish Home Party. Yeah. Uh, there is legislation pending in the Knesset about this entire issue of illegal um, land. Where do we stand? Where, what, what is happening now in the Knesset at the moment? Um, first of all, I think that uh, we are on the way to solve this problem. I think that the first, um, our first goal in Regavim is to make uh, people to know the problem and to, to, uh, to, to understand that there is a problem and we have to solve it. And I think that uh, the most of the uh, members of the Knesset and the uh, uh, ministers uh, in the government, they understand that we have a problem. They know, know that uh, we should have to solve it. And now we are discussing, discussing uh, um, about some uh, so, uh, um, options how to solve it. Mm -hmm. okay? we, we, we are planning... Uh, many, many plans in the whole uh, ministers, the whole uh, offices, offices uh, in the government, and we try to uh, found in all office uh, what he should do, what right. they should do in, in their... So it's much different than three, four years ago. The attitude is different, it's more positive, I you're meeting that, more allies. I think that Regavim uh, succeed in, first of all, they succeed in uh, putting this issue on the table. Right and to make the whole, um, um, as I say, the whole the whole decision, decision makers to understand that we should have to deal with this uh, issue. The majority of the people you're speaking to right now are in North America. Uh, there are a lot of people who like supporting great causes. Explain the need for partnership. Explain why it's so important for people who care about the future of the land of Israel to be involved in this organization. I think that Regavim is the most important Zionist organization in Israel right now. Simple it's, as the, that. it's the biggest organization. Um, they have the most uh, success. Can the most? Yeah, most successful. Uh, successful here. Uh, it's not only in the uh, specific case. You know, it's it's the whole. Right. You should, the whole you picture. The whole picture. And I think that, that they succeed in move the whole. 
policy uh, in Israel to be more uh, Jewish and more Zionist uh, policy. And I think that it, it's, it's the most uh, important thing now in Israel. Josh, what could you add to that? The bottom line is, uh, Nachum, uh, is we need partners. You, we can't act alone. We can't do things alone. We need partners your listeners and those who are listening all over the world, we need partners to get things done here at Regavim. So I encourage everyone who's listening to the broadcast to, to heed the words of M.K. Smotrich on how important the organization is. He called it the most important Zionist organization out there today. So if you believe in Zionism, a strong Zionism, then you're going to want to support Regavim. Go to the website, regavim.org. Get involved in an organization that is making headway, that is uh, putting, making facts on the ground looking at the illegal facts on the ground right. on the other side and rectifying the situation. If you want to be involved in Zionism here today, the most important organization, as uh, my colleague M.K. Smotrich said, support Regavim, regavim.org. And uh, that's really what it's all about, Nachum. There is a lot to be optimistic about in terms of the future of Israel. There are people who like to focus on the negative and how difficult things are and how you know, things happen that are not the, the most positive, but I, I'm sure you would agree that there's plenty to be positive I, about. I'm a very, very uh, optimistic person. I believe in the state of Israel. I believe in the Jewish uh, nation, population. Um, I'm sure in 100% that we are walking in uh, the right way, and uh, uh, we're going to reach very, very high target and, and goal. And I think that Regavim um, movement has a very, very important tafkid, uh, how you say? Role. Role in this way. And uh, that's the reason uh, that I'm involved in Regavim and I'm trying to help them uh, from the Knesset as uh, most as I, as I can. And I call uh, uh, to all who is uh, listening to, to me right now to be uh, Involved in Regavim to help and to to be a shutaf. Tadaraba, partnership. Thank you so much. My thanks, everybody here at Regavim, for an amazing day here in the Binyamin section of Israel. Achenu Israel and Achnu Machem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web at jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. I want to thank our friends at Travel Cell for keeping us connected back to the United States uh, with all the necessary equipment for both our family and our listeners. Go to TravelCell.com for information. I thank them very, very much, and uh, we will go into uh, more detail about some of the people that we have to thank as we continue through this week here at JMNAM. A big thank you to Josh Haston, a big thank you to uh, Judy Grossman, a big thank you to Miriam L. Wallach, big thank you to our entire staff, Abrami uh, and Yoni back in the... Uh, say it again? And a thank you. Malcolm thank Siegel you very much. Coming. A big thank you to uh, Abrami and Yoni back in the U.S., and of course to uh, ZK and Jamie and Elon and everybody here with us in Israel. We continue tomorrow with our broadcast from Beit Meir with NCSY Kolel. I thank you all for tuning in. Go to rigavim.org for information about everything we've discussed today. And until tomorrow from Israel, it's Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs>